0: You're not really that hearing impaired, are you?
1: No, but it said that, so.
0: Oh, okay, you're just reading the menus?
1: Yes. Are you ready? It may be opening up the fact that I am a tad hearing impaired.
0: Well, recognition, I've heard, is the first step to any sort of self-improvement, which, you know, would be useful for me to know if I had anything I needed to improve upon. But, you know, so. No comment. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob.
1: And this is Kai.
0: And we are doing a crooked commentary. This is only the second one of this of these we've we've done, which is weird because every once in a while I'll threaten to Kai. I'm like, oh, we should record a commentary for this movie. And she'd be like, Really? Because I've been threatening a Scott Pilgrim one for a while. And I know she's not looking forward to being forced to watch that a second time. But you know, it's not watching it it's not like you're it's not like you're watching it regularly. You're Talking about it, the whole, it's basically just having a conversation about the film the entire time while you're watching and reacting to what you're seeing, which is, I don't know, it's, it's a lot different than just having to sit there and be like, okay, I don't really care about this. How much left is this movie? Like you do sometimes. Sometimes you don't always do that. I, I
1: think I do that with every single movie we watch. How much is just, left of this?
0: You're just very, you're restless.
1: It's like also it's the same thing when I read a book. I'm like, okay, how much more of this chapter is left? So I got it because I, I like to.
0: But because of that, you don't get things. you don't get absorbed in the narrative as much.
1: That's true. that's that's why and
0: that's why sometimes i'm like don't worry about it just watch the thing you're like and then you're like looking it up and shit and i'd be like give me that phone wow
1: yeah or then we're watching a movie you haven't seen before and meanwhile you're on your phone looking it up
0: i don't usually do that my problem when you when you pick a movie because i don't for the people listening what we've done since way before we got married, since we were dating, we, were, we would alternate between choices. So I'll p- pick a movie for us to watch, and then Kyle pick a movie for us to watch. And then sometimes we'll have one that's nobody's choice. That's just, you know, random random late edition or, you know, something that we're putting on in the background while we're working on our computers or something. But we'll alternate choices. And so what my problem is that I'll, <laughs> it's become a running, running joke, I guess, between the two of us, is that I'll, I'll a lot of times fall asleep when you make a choice on the sofa and then you get mad at me and then I have to justify I'm like oh, I'm sorry I'm sorry I don't well no, well, because what happens when it's one of my choices is either a movie I like and I'm excited to watch it again or it's something I'm excited to show you and therefore I want to gauge your reaction so because of that I'm like more I'm, I'm more alert than when you're showing me something sometimes it's like Flowers in the Attic and I'm like why am I watching this?
1: I like that you that's one of your that's, go-to because well, that
0: was t- I didn't like that at all sorry what's the other one you made me watch Cry Baby I Don't Like sorry people that out there that love John Waters not for me What was the other one? There's been a few of them random, a few random ones that I'm just like, why, 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 I didn't like that. And you're like, I could tell. I'm like, yeah. But sometimes I fall asleep not because it's bad. Sometimes I just fall asleep because I'm tired and because I'm, like I said, I'm less alert because it wasn't something that I was as actively involved in or any, or at all actively involved in choosing. So sometimes it's just that. But anyway, we haven't even talked about what we're about to talk, what we're about to watch, essentially. Um. Well, since it's Halloween, and we've been watching a lot of Halloween movies, including Halloween, which we talked about on the last episode, and we saw Halloween 2. So do we want to like, take two minutes to talk about Halloween 2 real fast and give an update on that?
1: Oh, uh, sure. What do you
0: think about Halloween 2?
1: Um, it was a lot more
0: gory than the first one. Yeah, I know right?
1: They, I know they had to up the ante, but oh my gosh, there were scenes in that film that really... Spoilers forced- for
0: Halloween 2 if you haven't seen it over the last like, 35 years.
1: Yeah, but it was just, it was just, just gross. Like, I, not really even scary, just gross. The
0: hot tub scene with the melting yeah, flesh was kind yes. of, yes, oh, which gosh. was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, he just was, he just, Michael Myers was playing, like, a serial killer that no longer used knives. He just used whatever was around. And I was like, wow, he's very resourceful. And that was only the second killer. movie.
0: Usually that kind of uh, evolution happens over the course of nine sequels or whatever, where you're like electrocuting people or just random household items that you're killing them with and things like that.
1: Right. Well, I think it's good that they at least explained the, the background on why Michael Myers hated
0: or why he was Lori after so yeah, why much. He was after her specifically.
1: Yeah. Which I guess still doesn't really make sense. To Not she had to die.
0: And it's funny because the DVD set that we were, because we, you know, sometimes I just get things out of the library because it's faster than Netflix if they have it. Um, or because I have movies from Netflix sitting on, in front of the TV for like three months. Um. They had a TV cut that remember I I told I told you based on my research on my research Wikipedia and IMDb mostly those are my two research sources resources for this kind of thing. They had a TV cut that I guess sounded like it was um, more reflective of the style from the first movie, like more suspense and less gore.
1: Which would have been better?
0: Yeah, which I think would have been better. I think that's part of the reason why that first one is so effective is that there's. Do you even really see any blood in the first one? I don't even think Not so. Not really,
1: but. Yeah, very, and also, very, I, b-
0: very briefly, if that. I
1: read the trivia, that John Carpenter didn't really like what they were what they wanted to do with the movie. Like, he didn't like the fact that it was going to go so gory.
0: I think the studio wanted it because after that, at that point, that's where movies, the horror movies, were starting to, to kind of lean towards. Right. Um, yeah. But you know, that's so, so a decent watch maybe for like a one time thing, but not really to revisit. And oh my God, what a drop in quality from the first one, which is such a classic, and I, I still think it's a really great film. I don't know. It, even the music in Halloween Two, it's the same theme. It, it, even the music sounded shittier. Was it just me? It sounded like like a crappy cover of the the theme music from the first one. Like it was the same melody, but it didn't like sound. It didn't. Maybe it was the sound mixing on the DVD we had or something. It did not sound very good I either. I guess so. Everything was subpar about it. Well, well, it's
1: also even the mask was different because it had already gone through wear and tear because they let the the actor who played Michael Myers in the first movie.
0: Take, I thought, it, take I thought, it with him. I thought this was the last... I thought this, they had the same mask for the second one, and then after that.
1: No, I don't think so. Oh. Not from what I read. It, it sounded like...
0: And Laurie Strode was a la- lot... Because
1: it was a different Michael Myers. He was shorter.
0: Laurie Strode, like Jamie Lee Curtis's performance, was a lot less engrossing this time. She kind of like just like laid there being like, He's coming to get me. Ah. The whole movie until the end where she, The only really like memorable moment she had, I think, was like towards the end, where she's in the parking lot of the hospital trying to get away. And she's you know in the car and she's like screamed, like trying to get them to help her because she's out there by herself by herself and they're all inside the hospital finding all the dead bodies. That was like towards the end was the only like memorable moment she had. She didn't even have that much interesting. To Apparently, do she
1: only was in the movie a total of twenty five minutes.
0: Yeah, which is which it's is hot too. Well, which is a lot when it's an ensemble piece because I think that's basically how much Captain America is in Civil War, for example. Closely followed by Robert Downey Jr. like twenty three minutes or something. Really? Yeah, on screen, yeah.
1: Wow. I yeah, mean, you'd be surprised. Look at like, Look I, it up. I, Well, it's like, well, watching movie <coughs> too. I, I noticed how little Jamie Lee Curtis was in the film. She also had
0: very little to do, too. Right. Didn't but
1: I, I guess with Civil War, you know, I didn't even know that. Well, that's
0: an ensemble piece, right. so you don't realize it because it's broken up like a minute and a half with Cap and then another 30 seconds, the short scene with Ant-Man or whatever. Ant-Man's in that movie like three minutes or like two minutes or something. Oh, okay. He's in it very little. Yeah. Um, but because it's not an ensemble piece, it's less noticeable. When you have a movie with a definitive leading lady type, it's it it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. It's like, why is she not in three quarters of this movie? Why am I hanging out with this random couple? This random paramedic guy trying to fucking nurse in the hot tub in the in the oh, hydrotherapy gosh, room or whatever. I'm like, I don't care about you people. So Why are you here? That was the
1: most gr- graphic to me.
0: Yeah, that was. That was also the most creative, and therefore I was like, oh cool, look at the makeup on that face while yeah, she's like God, melting it though.
1: It just goes to show that what Mike, what like a psycho, like a sociopath, Michael Myers is. Well, you yeah. Know? It's just like wow. So
0: not not highly recommended, but I mean, you know, I'm glad we watched it because it does finish the story from the first one, and you and I had both heard about. Them being brother and sister, but you do know, it yeah. doesn't really. They don't. It's funny that you hear that and then you watch the first movie. You're like, how come? I, how come that wasn't covered in there? Where the hell did I get that from? It's got a, the Halloween two that's established it. And then so we have Halloween H two O that we're gonna watch probably in the next week or so. So I guess on the next episode of the podcast, maybe we'll try and record mm-hmm. one either bef- by before the end of the month or right after the end of the month and kind of do our last. It does sort of work as a trilogy, considering there's like eight of eight or nine of these movies, and the three of them are kind of have a continuing story yeah. in a way
1: and halloween h2o was the only one i actually saw a movie because obviously i couldn't didn't see halloween halloween two movies because i wasn't born yet right but halloween t- h2o i technically shouldn't have seen that one either because i was underage.
0: i don't remember how gory but that was so that'd be interesting it to re- probably to was gory
1: and i don't i mean i remember watching it and thinking that wasn't it wasn't that good you're like it's fine yeah so it'll be interesting to watch That's that, that again because it's been over 15 years
0: yeah I've
1: seen. It. I've only seen it once.
0: Yeah, same here. I didn't even see it in theaters. I saw it on, on video. Well, yeah, saw...
1: walking with a person that had that uh, well, fake ID. Well, yeah,
0: well, yeah. I I saw Halloween Resurrection in theaters though, and that was kind of crappy. That's the the direct sequel to H two O. So we're, I think we're gonna stop after H two O and be like, okay, done with Halloween now. Oh yeah, I hope. So. I don't think I need to watch three, four, five, six, seven. Or, yeah. I think actually H two O might be seven.
1: But the movie that's actually we're going to watch Yes, um, thank you for night- getting me well, back well, on no, track. No, well, I was talking about the next Halloween movie that's a classic is Night of the Living Dead. So that's coming oh, up. Oh, I thought you
0: were talking about the one we we're about to watch. Well,
1: that we'll get to that too. But uh, Night of the Living Dead is is next up on the docket for like a Halloween movie right. after the one tonight because Mr. Robert here hasn't seen Night of the Living Dead and I saw it like over a decade ago and it was it was actually really I thought it was really good and very well done. So, and of course, it's like a zombie classic you know you can't have a zombie movie I, without night i
0: saw it years ago like maybe you know soon before oh, we soon before soon before we met like maybe seven you know maybe seven years ago or something when oh. i was um before I, I moved to that apartment um and i think i had it on in the background and i think i may or watching it late and i think i either fell asleep because so, I have a tendency of just watching movies late at night and then falling asleep and be like, shit, where did I leave off with that? And I think it had to go, again, it was another library movie. I think it had to go back or something. So I had to bring it back without really 100% following okay, it. Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking. So I barely, I sort of watched it, but not really.
1: Okay. So, so like Eternal such a spotless mind.
0: A little bit. Well, that, I was busy working on my uh, undergrad thesis at the time, which I really, I was even thinking this today. That's actually funny that I, I it kind of, you mentioned that. Because I was even thinking today, I'm like, I need to get back on that and actually like flesh that out into a book. Because now that I'm, you know, more published on, you know, all these different websites and I have a little more foothold. It's sort of like made a little more footing as a entertainment journalist and writing about the industry and stuff that, that I feel like turning that into a, a full length sort of uh, critical analysis book would actually make a lot more sense now. And I mentioned, I feel like I mentioned this to you every yeah. few months. Yeah. But I lost the file because of that hard drive issue I had, so I have to figure out how to get that. Go on right.
1: Fiverr and pay somebody five dollars to transcribe it for you.
0: Yeah, I yeah. But then, but then I have to send them a copy of my my manuscript, and I don't have, I only have like four of them. That's I don't true. trust random people on Fiverr. They'll be like, true. "Look what I found! I wrote this!" I'm like, "No, you didn't, you asshole." <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, well, I guess we'll report back on Night of the Living Dead. We, we need to get back in the habit of doing this. If not every week, maybe every other week. Like, maybe we can alternate, and I can do... Because I, I keep saying this, and then every, like, three weeks go by, and, I, and we do another episode. But maybe we can alternate, like, every couple weeks. You and I do one together, and then and then all the intermittent weeks, I can record something by myself. Just a half hour, talking about... I also haven't gotten a chance to go to the theater as much last month or so, because I've been so busy... Writing for Screenrant.com, WeGotThisCovered.com, CheatSheet.com, MonkeysFightingRobots.com, and uh, you know my other marketing writing job that's not as interesting. It doesn't really pertain to you guys listening to the podcast, but um, but yeah. So keep stick with us. I swear to God, I'm gonna get in some kind of pattern at at some point. But in the meantime, you know we this episode is very timely um, for October and everything. So I've been talking to you about doing Scout Pilgrim for a while. <clears throat> and, and then I have. I know I had, you're going to be good oh, on your threat. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. But I, how would you feel about doing crooked commentaries like one every month or every couple months or something? Because I feel like these are fun. Because we like to talk shit. We're not talk shit, but like, we like to talk about movies more. I like to more. talk shit. You talk shit more than I. I'll be like, this is great. I don't know. Why. I wouldn't talk shit about Scott Pilgrim because I, I, I give it a five out of five on Letterboxd.
1: You would give it a six if you
0: could. I think I gave this a five out of five on Letterboxd, too. The movie we're sure about to did. watch. Um,
1: we got to watch some bad ones, though, too. Those well, are Well, we did The
0: Room last time and actually brought brought up the, the feed for the podcast because I wanted to remember what an episode that was. That was episode, tw- uh, episode eight. Oh, my gosh. That was went up... Over a year, about a year and a half ago, I was episode eight of the podcast called Anyway, How's Your Sex Life, where we did a um, real time commentary along with the movie for Tommy Wiseau's The Room, which I'll have to like tweet, tweet and Facebook that out when the um, when the disaster artist, the movie that James Franco is making about the making of that. I'll have to, like, re-promote that when that comes out. And we'll go Shouldn't see that, that movie. Soon. Who knows, man? I don't know. I have no idea what the status of that is. Um, I have a feeling it's probably smaller in, sc- in scope, so they'll probably they'll probably start the festival festival circuit and then, like, get a wide release, like, a year and a half later or something. Because that's how a lot of these movies um, sort of roll out. So roll, this out. Is- roll out. Roll out. Don't sue me, Ludacris. It was just two seconds You hear something. So now we're on episode 34, and having, this is the second one, so I feel like that would be more fun to do every every couple months, maybe in keeping with uh, a sequel or something coming out, or something from the same director or the star, or even like an anniversary release of something, that kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, the 10th anniversary of this movie, let's talk about it, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, but tonight we're going to be talking, we're watching, rather, and then talking about um, this
1: is what you guys have been waiting for since this podcast yes. started
0: oh but i mean they're going to see in the description when they when they click on it it's going to be in the description for what to say on oh, this okay. episode Robin kai
1: yes that's
0: true. it's it's not like they're going to be listening without knowing what the headline to. alone
1: won't just give it away
0: uh i haven't decided what i'm going to title this episode just yet because i like to do that after the case, after the fact in case i get inspired so we're going to be watching 1993's Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, which is weirdly named because Tim Burton didn't direct it. was actually directed by Henry Selick, who I sang the praises of back in episode 30, Kubo and the Best of Stop Motion Animation, because I uh, actually named Nightmare Before Christmas my favorite stop motion animated film. And I also included Henry Selick's Coraline on there as well. Um, we didn't care for James and Giant Peach as much. I, thought we feel, no. I think we feel like that was sort of a misfire for us.
1: Yeah, no, it was not. But I don't have
0: any connection to that book really either and I don't know. I feel like it was I feel like Disney was trying this is what happened. We said with James and the Giant Peach that it felt like Disney was trying to make a Disney movie and Henry Selick was trying to make a sort of a spiritual successor to Nightmare Before Christmas and it sort of got stuck in the middle where it's too weird to be like a Disney movie but too Disney to be weird. And so instead you're just sort of don't know what to make of it and it gets stuck in the middle of not really being anything except a the by far in the by far least interesting of Henry Selleck's three full feature length stop motion animated films. Um, so I remember actually when this movie came out which according to Facebook it said it was 23 years ago which makes me feel really old. 23 years ago as of the day before we were recording this podcast. But then I went to IMDb and they said that its wide release was October ninth, oh. 1993 so either way we're recording it just about 23 years after it came out in theaters and i remember when this came out my mom was actually working at a daycare um actually just a few few miles from where where our house is and they had you know and they had trips where the kids would all go in a group to go see a movie and you know they'd have popcorn or whatever and stuff so i remember going with some of those kids because i would go hang out at that daycare because my mom worked there you know, while she was working and such. And I guess my dad was also working at the time. I don't know. I, re- I repressed a lot of my childhood just because, not because it was bad, just because I, I didn't have that much going on and it just sort of slipped away. Anyway, that's, that's another podcast. That's, you know, I'll do, uh, I'll do uh, a Rob uh, bio. Yeah. I'll do a Rob bio podcast. I'll be like, let me tell you guys, and he was born on a, on June 30th, blah, 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 or whatever. Um, but, uh, but I digress. It's a little, little window into my soul for a second there. But no, I, so I remember seeing this in theaters. And I think I, I liked it right away. In fact, I remember I had the cassette. I had the soundtrack of this on Cassette back in the day um, because I was already into Tim Burton's. And again, I feel funny calling this Tim Burton's since Tim Burton didn't direct this. But he it's based on a poem that he wrote and he produced it and all that, so he gets partial credit. But I, I was a big fan of Beetlejuice and Batman and Pee Wee's Big Adventure, all his movies that had come out before this. Um, so I was really excited with it, and I like movies that are sort of creepy but safe, like we mentioned Coraline. I love Monster House. I love The Monster Squad back in, from back in the day, and uh, we just recently watched The Witches a couple of months ago for the first time, going to again to Roll Dahl. So I, I like this. This was this is totally in my wheelhouse, and over the over the last 23 years, I guess this has become probably one of my probably my top five animated films of all time, um, and definitely my favorite anim stop motion. One as I mentioned, uh, I, I don't know. It's just I love this movie so much, and I constantly sing the soundtrack and just the the melodies that Danny Elfman put together. And and you'll hear my you'll hear me gush about it over the next seventy six minutes enough. So, what is your Kai? What is your relationship to this movie? Did you see it in theaters? Did you see it on video? Did you hate it? What are you? How how sad are you going to make me? Go ahead.
1: Um, well, I did not see this in movie theaters, even though we are the same age minus five days, because um, it just kind of looked. It didn't really look that interesting to me. Plus, there was a time that I didn't go to movie theaters very much when I was younger. That's a
0: sad. That's a sad. I know. Sad era for you. I
1: have my own bio moments, but um, you get
0: your own podcast. Mine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I did not see movie theaters. But I remember though, getting like getting older, and I had a couple of friends that like loved. uh, Actually, I have a friend of mine. She loves specifically. Loves Jack Skellington. Hell yeah! And Sally. That's a love. And she would like. Post things on Facebook every now and then about those characters. And I'm just like, okay. But I I knew there was a starting to be a cult following for this film for, you know, for the people that were, you know, um, young enough around the time when the movie came out. But I actually didn't see it until um, Rob showed it to me.
0: What? I forgot you hadn't seen it. I thought you had seen it at some point.
1: No. You showed it.
0: What the hell? Yeah. And
1: I think it was like probably like five. Probably when we started, first started dating because, because you one started of showing I, me all
0: your yeah, favorite films right it's around time. It's one of my favorites, man.
1: Yeah, so we watched it together and I just remember with Sally, that's her name, right?
0: Yeah, the rag doll. I just, Yeah,
1: I just, I don't like Sally. She bothers me. You know what? Me. That's She's so funny. Sad. That's
0: so funny. I'm going to, uh, again, another, I guess this is another window into my psyche, but the longer we're together, the more things I realize that you have the exact same in common with my mom and it's getting, it's to the point that it's getting kind of weird because that's exactly her issue. She hates... Sad. She calls her "sad girl." <laughs> she would call her when I would watch this as a kid. She she doesn't like she doesn't like she because she's all about like she her favorite she loves she loves the Polar Express and like super squeaky clean and like like sappy stuff. And that that's kind not of,
1: stop motion. That's motion capture. That's a motion
0: capture. That's a, we should watch not that, but we should do some kind of random Christmas movie, um, crooked commentary in a couple months when we get a little you know into the holiday season yeah but she has the exact same issue with it she doesn't like that it's like weird and creepy and kind of gross in moments
1: yeah but i mean i i definitely appreciate stop motion you know i mean that's a that's that's really hard work to to move the characters around with every single shot and you know so i do have appreciation for stop motion but this this movie is like really weird but I i i understand why you like it it's just not really for me as much. Boogie um, like, Woogie Man is cool.
0: I like... Or is it... Oogie Boogie? Oogie Boogie. Oogie Boogie? Oogie Boogie. I like my musicals with, like, some darkness to them. We've talked recently that... That's your
1: own bio-moment. Yeah,
0: we right. talked... Yeah, I guess. We've talked recently about some of my favorite musicals are, like, Sweeney Todd, Little Shop of Horrors, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and, like, I like West Side Story, and, like, they have bright, happy ones, too, which is why I'm so... so <laughs> West Side Story is why I'm so, so, I'm so, so, so Well, not... But it's, but it's, like, a lavish Hollywood production. Yeah. Like, Maria... Yes. Da, 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 with like. the... With the big orchestration, and that's why I'm so excited about La La Land that's coming out in the you know I think right around Christmas. Um, so that's sort of my thing when I before Christmas. So you like it, but not but not really. Like you, do you like like what? Would you, what did you rate it on Letterbox? Three, three point five, four. I don't know. You have but to check. I, I don't remember. You should memorize your shit, man.
1: I, it's weird because like I. Sometimes think I didn't rate a movie, and then I'm like, I'm gonna rate this. Yeah, I, and that then, happens
0: to me sometimes. And I then double I check. See it, I'm
1: like, oh yeah, I already rated it. That exactly the score I was gonna rate it. So but you I feel you better. did
0: prefer Coraline of the two Henry Selick ones, right?
1: Um, yeah, I'd say so.
0: You know why I, my, Jack Skillen's,
1: you Though know, he's kind of a
0: fuck fl- Oh, you yeah. gave it four. Okay, I gave you it like a four. It.
1: Oh wow.
0: Okay, you like it, but you don't like. Surprise. It. I think what it is is maybe you just don't think you like it because I love it so much, and so in contrast, you're like you. let see, I gave it five. Uh, so in contrast, you're like, I don't think I like this because I don't like it as much as Rob. And I always tell you that, that doesn't mean you, doesn't, you don't like it. That means if I could give it a six and a half on Letterboxd out of five, I would do that because that's how much I like it. Um, you can like like it like a normal person and uh, not like a super fan. But before we start watching it, I should also point out that I was, I told you you about this, Kai, that in 2006, my family and I were in L.A., for you know i was going to an expo and whatever went to disneyland and this was actually i think this is the first year they had it in the 3d thing it was like a big deal so i actually saw this in 3d at a really nice theater oh, cool. on hollywood boulevard hey
1: that's a good story yeah like
0: across, almost like almost across the street from man's chinese theater i wish i could remember the name of the theater people that are listening to this that live in la are probably like it's this one asshole. but i mean we're, we're over in florida i don't remember the details of where everything is in, in la i didn't Thankfully, he didn't have to drive over there. My my dad did all the driving because I was like, "Oh, I'm nice scared. guy." I'm scared. <laughs> it is pretty it is pretty <laughs> yeah. rough driving. Yeah, no I, no, I wouldn't want to deal with that. But anyway, so that's that's where I'm coming from. That's where we we're both coming from, I guess, with Nightmare Before Christmas. So we're gonna actually go ahead and start it right now. I have the DVD up. Sadly, I don't have it on Blu-ray yet, and I will let you know when the logo comes on.
1: And this is being watched with the audio off. You guys can watch with yes. the audio on. That's fine.
0: So the Disney, it's a Disney DVD. I'm, I'll, I'll let you know when it comes up with the actual opening credits because this is just bullshit. It just
1: surprised me this is a Disney movie.
0: Yeah, I know. Because well, I, I
1: thought that Tim Burton and Disney didn't really have much of a relationship they until didn't. recently.
0: They, they uh, well, they, they what do you mean with Alice in Wonderland? Yeah. Well, they actually there was a specific production company that was set up for this movie and it, they did this movie. They did it, James and the Giant Peach and that's it. Cause oh. James and the Giant Peach didn't I think I was actually called Skellington Productions or something. Oh. Alright. So right now we're on the Disney logo at eleven seconds into the seventy six minute runtime. I'm gonna write down where we are here so I can timestamp on the uh, on the, the show notes. For those of you who want to find out, just not listen to our twenty minutes of randomness. But um, no, so they now we can actually talk about this. This wasn't wasn't made by Walt Disney Animation Studios, so it doesn't fit the chronology of you know Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and stuff. This is Walt Disney Pictures, but it was more. Uh, I think it was initially Touchstone Pictures that released it.
1: Oh. So it's Walt
0: Disney Studio, but not the animation branch that did Aladdin and those other ones. Right,
1: right, yeah, yeah. So it's sort, it's Walt separate Disney kinda because has their but, hands and everything.
0: Well, because it is darker, and I think this was—I'm pretty sure this is PG, not G, because it is like disturbing images or whatever. So, but
1: then, so I guess that the Walt uh, Touchstone Pictures got disbanded, and then they did the, when they did the DVD release or re-release, they just had to add Walt Disney Pictures instead of the Touchstone. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's so crazy, like, their stuff, because I had no idea with a lot of things. Like, I didn't realize Dimension Film was Disney 2.
0: I know. Isn't that crazy? It is. Oh, you didn't... Uh, well, we should probably comment real fast about... Well, I mean, we'll get to that later. I was going to say about the forest with all the holidays. But, um, so here we go. We're entering into one of my favorite songs. And you see that... That skeleton—that's actually supposed to be Jack, by the way.
1: Halloween Town—that's that Disney, is
0: that it Disney is a, a, show. It is. That is. That's true. There's is a that, Disney is channel. That a, like, I don't think it's related to it. It
1: should be. Cause it should both be. Disney. Yeah, Halloween
0: Town. They, because they had. I told you, Freddie was back. Was big into that back in the day. But I love this opening so much. The way the camera pans right through the gate and you see like, kind of get a, uh, I don't know, the. Like a one shot, even though it's stop motion and obviously it's not like a camera moving, but the camera just takes you through Halloween Town and all the creepies and crawlies and mm-hmm. ghosts and vampires and stuff. I just, yeah, this is so much fun. But some songs. of this
1: is computer animated, <coughs> isn't
0: it? Yeah, the ghosts there are computer yeah. animated. Um,
1: Wasn't it what you were saying that this um, that this is technically not the first stop motion? You kind of feel like the Rudolph and Frosty Snowman were the first. I feel stop like motion? Th-
0: I mean there was. I feel like the for well, the first stop mo- the first full length full fe- length feature length. Stop motion, I'm not sure what that is exactly, but I mean, stop motion has been in use since like the 20s and 30s, like King Kong, and uh, that was yeah. that stop motion, but yeah. it was only certain sequences, it wasn't the whole movie, right? Uh, I feel like this movie kind of kicked off the age of really doing full length movies with that technology because you know, the Rudolph thing that I love so much and was again in my favorite stop motion animated films that was actually like only 48 minutes or something like that. Um, but I don't know, I don't okay. I don't know how much to say about Danny Elfman's score, but I think this is Danny Elfman's best work of anything he's ever done. This like you strip away the uh the vocals, which are already great, and just the melody is so like like uh uplifting but like sad at the same time. You know what I mean? It's supposed to have sort of a like gleeful morbidity to it. Oh, where here it he goes. All- okay, boogie. I don't know if that's supposed to be Oogie Boogie. I'm still debating what? that. Because do it doesn't it is? sound like, because he just said, I am the shadow on the moon at well, the well, like, And it has a different voice than Oogie Boogie. That's what makes me well, think about Well, then who that. do you think it is? But it, it, I always think it's, they're
1: doing a, they're doing a montage of it. It definitely characters. seems like
0: visual foreshadowing to Oogie Boogie, if nothing else. But you saw the skeleton, the, the pumpkin guy in the beginning of the movie. That's going to end up being Jack. You see him right. in a second being wheeled in
1: when it's at Halloween Town
0: right there yes, there he comes on the on the what is this whatever that is like a wicker oh I wonder if that's supposed to be a visual call back to like the wicker man because it's a wicker horse coming in oh gosh probably is
1: but then if you're a child you don't have to know the reference
0: exactly but this is that's what makes this movie so great it's very subversive there's a lot of gags and and, uh, things that are either kids won't really get or that are um, you know creepy enough that they can draw an adult audience which is why a lot of the biggest fans of this movie or people that are thirties, forties, whatever? I was just they're, say well, that. they're like adults. I don't feel
1: like this is a kids' movie. That's it's the other thing. Exactly.
0: It's a, it's a person movie. It's that's what makes it so great. It's a timeless movie. I went to the supermarket tonight and I saw a family standing by the red box and they were like, "Oh, do you want to get?" They're talking to the kids. Do you want to get a movie? You want to get the Angry Birds movie? And the kids were all excited. And I'm like, I'm walking by. I'm like, "Don't get the Angry Birds movie. It's terrible." Because that's a movie that panders to kids and it has really lame, dated jokes in it that in like six months that movie's going to really seem terrible, even if, it, even though it kind of already is. Um, we're 23 years later. People are still talking about this. You walk around. You'll still go past any hot topic. Holy shit. Spencer's. Whole, yeah. Oh, my God. It's half the stores. My number before Christmas stuff. You meet any person that's like thinks they're goth or emo or whatever. They have tattoos of Jack Skeleton on the back of their ankles and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how it's become sort of a phenomenon and it doesn't even do that well when it went out in theaters. That's, it was a that's what
1: usually happens. These cult classics are the ones that didn't do very it's well.
0: Misunderstood like these weird little misunderstood movies that people just don't. I don't, I don't Not ready for or something, I guess.
1: Oh, well, but one thing I do, I do love Jack Skellington's head.
0: Oh, it's so cool! I, I,
1: it's like so smooth looking. Like, yeah, I, just wanna, I know. I'm right? very tactile in general, and I'm just like, I want to touch your yeah.
0: head. Yeah, I know. And we should also say that um, that's Chris Sarandon doing the voice of Jack Skellington, the speaking voice of Jack Skellington, and Danny Elfman himself doing the singing voice, which is so his the way Jack Skellington sings more than more so than anybody else is so operatic that every time I watch this, I'm like, God damn it! Why won't somebody adapt this into a stage musical? Well, some people that
1: don't know Chris Sarandon, though, he was uh, the Prince Humperdinck in...
0: The Princess Bride. He was also the the Jerry Dandridge in the original Fright Night.
1: And the ex-husband of Susan Sarandon. Well, yeah, hence the the left. For that tabloid trivia. Pretty
0: much. But the detail in his expressions. Look at his eyes. The way he's like trying to pretend that he's he's like, oh, yeah, I guess so. It's just like last year and the year before that. And he's just—you can see that there's so much—they they convey so much emotion in these little puppets, that they just you know reposition. And they're not puppets. I know a friend of ours called them puppets, and I got pissed off. I'm like they're not puppets. Stop motion. It's not the same. I mean, they, but they, they sort of are. They're figures that they—they they move like the slightest amount, and then take a picture, and then eventually animate that all together. It's such an intricate process that it's amazing to me that people are still still doing that. That Leica is still doing that. And at the level at the level that they're operating at, when we're in the, the age of CG, and everybody's just like, oh, just make a CG movie. Well, I feel
1: like with Leica, like they want to be like Pixar, like they want to be they, the best they of are. A stop motion. They are. It, the versus like Pixar is yeah, the best exactly. of computer graphics.
0: And they, I always computer compare them, animation. I always compare them to Pixar in that they are like one of the most consistent brands for family, like high quality, like family entertainment that kind of pushes the boundaries of technology, but also pushes the boundaries of like storytelling and I feel like this movie is what really laid the foundation for Laika to become such a a thing I mean it it, it, granted those movies it's funny they
1: took the torch from Disney
0: and Henry Selick because we really kicked them off with Coraline so Laika must have been like we need somebody to direct this that knows what the fuck they're doing and they saw this movie like that's what we need Henry Selick bring him in and he did such a a, a outstanding job with Coraline that you know you could see all of that right here
1: well you know what's interesting though it's like so you love Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah? And I probably Leica did too. Like they probably That's had such I'm a saying, passion. Yeah. Like they saw Nightmare Before Christmas, like oh my gosh, I love this movie so much. I want to pay homage to it for the rest of my life, and that maybe well, how they, were, they became
0: maybe the best. And they were doing they were doing contract work before they did their own feature yeah. movie.
1: Oh wait, don't you love this scene? I do. I love Wouldn't this so much. To, this don't whole thing. do you love thing? all the scenes with the cliff?
0: Oh, I love everything with Jack Skellington. Period. But. Where he's, my, my the thing that that I love about Jack Skellington is I don't know I'm really again window into my soul guys I don't uh, it's this is one of those movies that resonates me with me on an emotional level but this is a guy that feels the character here feels stuck in a rut he's doing the same thing over and over and he sort of feels Your dog like is what's Rudolph right <laughs> that's supposed to be the reference to okay. that with the nose yeah uh but it's not it's not Rudolph his name is Zero but it's supposed to be there's that, that plays into the third act where there's the, the climax of the movie where it's a Rudolph callback. Um, but he feels stuck in a rut, doing the same thing over and over. He's already the best at where, what he does. And so he's just kind of like, where am I supposed to go? There's no challenge left in life. What a, you know, he's feeling kind of disillusioned with, with his purpose in the world. So this is a movie where he kind of struggles with that to find his place again, to find joy in, his, in who he is. And I don't know, me that's something on some level that I struggle with. Or, or I don't know. It's, he's trying to find an inner peace within but himself. But did you struggle
1: with that, though, when you saw the movie when you were 10 years old? I don't
0: know. Not necessarily. Maybe that's why it's. Kind of, I've, I've grown to love it so much more. And this song here, called Jack's uh, Jack's Lament, actually, uh, really, really com- captures that. And there's such striking visuals of just him walking off the cliff and like, Oh, there's an empty place in my bones. Again, where it sounds like a funeral dirge. But there's more depth and complexity to it. It's a nice that. little
1: cliff, though. I know, and it rolls down. I love
0: that. It looks sort of like the the top of a witch's hat. I think that's kind of the iconography ah. they're going for there.
1: Yeah, good point.
0: But uh, just the art direction in here, if you can call it that, I guess, because the, you know these sets were all made by people. You know, they're they're actually photographing something that that was built.
1: Well, let me ask you this: What do you think is more challenging. Um stop motion animation or or draw drawn animation. Because they both involve a lot of patience. It's very tedious, um time consuming. Um
0: I, I mean that's not a fair question to ask since I've never worked in animation, so I have no idea. I can tell you though that depending on the story, one one of the one of those storytelling like you get a different feel from a story that's told in hand drawn animation versus stop motion stop motion to me always feels more tactile more eerie more otherworldly sort of ethereal feeling so when you're transporting me to another world and it's one that's as freaking bizarre as the one at nightmare before christmas that connects with me a lot more than if it was uh, on a different level than if it was hand-drawn you know what i'm saying right hand-drawns to me are like paintings come to life and this is it it's. It doesn't feel like it's like it's animation, but it doesn't.
1: It's three dimensional. Yeah, like it's you?
0: it's more. That's why I'm up by more tactile. Yeah. Um, it, it feels. It feels like you venture like you ventured another dimension, sort of. And in this movie, it literally starts out in the forest with the trees for each holiday, which we'll get to in a little bit. And then you you go through the doorway into Halloween Town, and you're literally being transported from your world to somewhere else.
1: Right. Well, and when I'm watching this, like, I can see how far we've come in stop motion, just like the small things. Like right. watching Kubo, oh, yeah. the hair, you know, the hair was very present, you know, it was blowing in the wind. And this one, you know, Sally's hair is a little bit more flat against Right. Me. Her back and doesn't really do much movement, and they're just doing a lot more movement with the with the facial expressions and the body, right? Versus Kubo, you know.
0: Well, they everything did they moving. did augment certain things in Kubo um, with CG, like some of the backgrounds and stuff, like to a certain extent. But it's all rooted in in stop motion, the characters and such. But um, yeah, I I love the. I'll, I should also point out, I love the mayor here, especially in light of the current presidential election, and we're not going to get into politics. But this whole, the, the mayor who's like literally a two-faced politician is so, so brilliant. And and again, something that I did not get as a kid, but as an adult watching it, it's like, he's like, Jack, you home? And he's like all bright and cheery. And then he gets frustrated and he splits to, it, switches to like his, you know, what would be my dark Robbie face? Where he's just like pissed off and like, oh, Jack, oh, and he's like all desperate and like, I'm, I'm only a, Lenin, uh, I am i am only I can not make these decisions. Like he says, wait, he says... I'm only an elected official. see. I'm only an elected official here. I can't make decisions by myself. That kind of th- I love it. As an adult, you're watching that and you're like, yeah, that's pretty much what politicians are like. But as a kid, you're just like, that's weird. This guy's head spins around. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I know. Things like
0: that. It, 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 it helps the movie. You know, the, it's one of those movies that, and this is kind of true of all films to a certain extent. Oh, I love The Sun as a jack-o-lantern, by the way. Um, where you watch at different stages in your life, and it and it connects with you in different ways. Um, and there's a sort of like there's a sort of twisted beauty in the way the movie looks, in the music, and everything that's really uh, reflective of Jack's journey. I think. So here we go. Look at the, look how cool that looks with the trees. See, like I told you, this is gonna be seventy six minutes. Seventy six minutes of me being like, guys, this movie's awesome. So I kind of wish there were more movies to go down these other ones. Like, it,
1: too bad he didn't go to Val- Valentine Town. <laughs> that had been cool. Will, All the love everywhere, the pink hearts.
0: Yeah, that would have been cool. I think it's interesting that St. Patrick's Day has one. I feel like what would be down there? Like, just bunch of, a bunch of drunk people? Yeah. Little leprechauns and shit? Yeah. I mean, or not to be stereoty- stereotypical, but, like, that's what you think of. Clovers and leprechauns and Guinness, pretty much. Oh.
1: But it makes sense that they, did they do, did they show things? Oh, okay. It makes sense they're doing yeah. Christmas though, because Christmas is like the most beloved holiday around the world. Well, and, and,
0: and the spirit of Christmas and the spirit of Halloweeners in such direct contrast to that's, each other. Yes, that's true. Like one is about bright and happy and joy and goodwill towards men, the other one's like, I'm going to put on this, this costume and like put fake blood on and try and scare the shit out of people. Yeah,
1: or if you're in Mexican culture, it's, um, Dia de los Muertos. Yeah. yeah. Day of the dead. Um, but aren't both holidays from pagan roots?
0: Um, I I don't I uh, believe so. Um. So here we go. He's in Christmas Town, y'all.
1: I can't. I look at his face. He, he's actually really cute. I know, and like, he smiles. a pet, and
0: uh, he smiles like that. He looks like a toothless baby. He's like sort of,
1: yeah. Because yeah.
0: He, yeah. Cause he here he exciting because he's discovering something new. So it's again it's the whole taking him out of his comfort zone and like finding trying to find. He thinks the cure to his disillusionment with his life is oh, I just need to find some, something totally different and make it my own. And that's you know we'll get to the rest of the story with that. But but just like look how you come in here and I feel like there's color. There's like purposeful it's like such contrast between the way Halloween Town is designed, which is just basically variations on black, white, and gray. And then you come here and there's big, there's like bright reds and greens and whites and everything's sort of sparkly. Look at the, see the snow and the the, uh, the the rooftops of the homes and everything is so like shiny. It's weird that your mom
1: doesn't like this movie anymore. Because I know. Because it's about, she loves Christmas. Right? And like she feels, she wants to feel like this at all times of the year. And these, these people in Christmastown do feel like this all the time.
0: Right. Well, the, I mean, if it's anything like Halloween Town. But why
1: aren't they broke? Don't they have to buy presents for each other every day?
0: Well, maybe. Well, I'm thinking that on some level they make them because there are a lot of them. You know, there's a lot of the people that live in there are elves. You know,
1: right? But I guess they still have just like in Halloween Town, they still have only one night of the year that you know uh, Santa Claus comes. So I it guess it's been those other three six. Three, just Getting four days ready, preparing. like yeah, because yeah. that's what Halloween.
0: Well, I think the the concept behind the forest with all the different holidays is that, and I think this is. I think this is fleshed out more on the soundtrack because there's an opening and closing narration that's more on the soundtrack than is actually in the movie. That basically these are the lands that create the holidays that we get to experience. So like Halloween Town creates Halloween for the rest of us to have Halloween. But their whole life centers on Halloween. So it's like they're like that's the city of people working to make Halloween happen for the rest of the world and Christmas and things like that. So that's sort of the mindset behind it. And uh, I, I I always forget this, but I know Henry Selick directly, uh, definitively answered whether this was a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie. And I always think I know the answer, but then I forgot. Then I, then I forget. So I googled it just to double double check. And I feel really vindicated now, in that we're watching this in October because a couple years ago, or last year actually, last year around this time, Henry Selick did clarify that *Night Before Christmas* is a Halloween movie.
1: Well, and but actually, that makes complete sense because. First, during Halloween yeah. Town, also he, it's um, he hijacks, perspective. Yeah. He hijacks Christmas; it makes it like Halloweeny. So, yeah, exactly. So you spend more of your time <laughs> watching like Halloween type stuff happen, right.
0: Than Christmas. It's it's stories told through Halloween Town's perspective, and you really you see Christmas here briefly when he sings "What's What's This?" Which let's point out how awesome that song is, by the way. Pretty, like I said, I actually
1: know the beat of that one. What's this? The What's tune. This? This I, I don't think I know that? the tune of any other ones, yes. but I do know that one
0: yeah that's, that's the most
1: famous one right
0: um i feel like it's the one that was used to market the movie the most because it's the cheeriest one and the less the least strange okay They have a whole song called kidnap the santa claus chop him into bits and stuff coming up later and then making christmas with making hats out of rats and bats and stuff so, I mean, this is the, that's the easiest one to market. <laughs> so, like, when Freddie had, like, you know, the Disney sing-alongs when he was a little kid, I think that was on there, but that might have been the only song from this movie that was.
1: I'm just so surprised that Disney wanted to even be a part of this.
0: Right? It seems so strange for them. But then again, I, it's them. the
1: same thing Return to Oz. I'm like, what?
0: Yeah, that was How Disney. We watched Disney that movie? yesterday, and that's another one of our Halloween movies.
1: Uh, yeah, that's, like, beloved, even though it's terrifying and you know well, it's a cult watch. classic I mean, again didn't, kids. Didn't, didn't
0: do well in theaters but you know over the years it's come to be appreciated by people like us who are obsessed with nostalgia yeah so how did you what are your so what is your issue with Sally she's just like a bummer to listen yeah, to talk yeah she's a, Cause you know who she's that, a that's, downer that's Catherine O'Hara doing the voice of Sally who so for, from Beetlejuice just, no I'm saying she's a known actress I'm just clarifying yeah. for our listeners it
1: doesn't change and she's so sad
0: yeah that's true but she wants to be happy. That's her journey here is that she's, she's not happy with the course of her life and she's trying to find a way to fix that. And Jack's sort of trapped with it.
1: She's a Frankenstein monster, right? She,
0: she, um, basically, yeah. Pretty much. But well, should a
1: Frankenstein monster be happy? They're not really, wouldn't really be there without their master.
0: Well, that's true. And his name, his name is Dr. Finkelstein. who's supposed to be like a variation on Frankenstein.
1: What was he doing with his head?
0: He was massaging his brain. Oh, um, or whatever, scratching it. Who knows? He's weird. <laughs> anyway, he's weird. Yeah, they're all weird. No, they're all weird. I, it's true. But he's got nobody else touches a brain there like the, like he does. Um, what was I saying now? Um, Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, beans. Her journey is basically she feels like an outsider. You see at the beginning, not be, now, but you see later on in the movie. I think when Jack's coming back, she's like on the outside, like always, like what's going on over there? What's Jack doing? Blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, Jack is sort of like on the inside looking out being like, why am I not happier? I'm on like, I'm like the king of Halloween town. I'm, I am the pumpkin king. Meanwhile, she's like, like the bottom level, like commoner type. And she's like, Oh man, I can't find my place. And he's like, I found my place, but it's, I'm bored now.
1: So, yeah, so the like journey of people,
0: right? Exactly. And that's actually one of my, my stories Girl, my dreams. Which I've probably tweeted about a bunch of times over the years. That one actually has a similar dynamic between the male and the female lead. So maybe I was inspired on some level by this, like with that character dynamic and that, and that's what makes them um, sort of feel like they belong together because they're two sides of the same coin. They have similar emotions, but from totally, totally diametrically opposed places. So, so you don't know, okay. So you don't like Sally because she's a bummer.
1: Yeah, she's just i mean it's hard and it's i've only seen this once so it's hard to like now have it in that same context with yeah. it with the with no yeah, audio course. but she just she's just she's a debbie downer she's she sad is. she is a sad sally sort and, of and um but i guess if you know but it makes see, sense but though. see jack skeleton he's not happy either but he's not bumming us out no he's not trying to make he's, the best he's, of the situation he's bumming it
0: out by himself you know when he's we see him alone he's like He's like, oh, my life's shitty. Why, why am I not happier being the the pumpkin king of Halloween Town? And meanwhile, she's drugging her her creator and like, I need to go out and and see the world. That kind of she's basically the Ariel. She wants to be part of that world, where she has to sneak into like the town, town meeting. Um, uh, also, the mayor here is voiced by Glenn Shaddix, who sadly passed away. I want to say a dozen or so years ago. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna double check. Yeah. Oh, actually less than that. 2010. And he played Otho in Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. That guy. Yeah. yeah that yeah. guy. So he did the voice of Jack, you home, the mayor, um, which I always sort of forget until I hear his voice. I'm like, it does sound like him. Uh, but it's about a bunch of interesting um, actors in the voice cast here.
1: But Catherine O'Hara played two parts.
0: Yeah, she does one of the three trick or treaters shock. So the female of the three trick or oh, treaters that oh, show up okay. later with Paul Rubens as Locke, and then uh, where's the other one? Oh, and Barrel's actually Danny Elfman. So there you go.
1: I forgot what's the name of Danny Elf? Oinga Boingo? Boinga? Boingo. Yeah. That reminds me of Oogie Boogie,
0: sort of. Maybe that was. Maybe that. Maybe he had some input on the the script phase because he was very. I mean, this. You take Danny Elfman out of this movie, this 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 would not. I mean, it's a different movie. It might not be terrible because the story is still strong, but it's the music that really elevates this. And, so he did the
1: voice, the singing voice, and he did the music?
0: Yeah, he composed all the music. He he's did very the singing. Talented. He's super talented. Why, did not, why, does, why is he not won? I don't think he has an Oscar. Why has he not won an Oscar? I don't know. I, I mean, if it was me, he should have gotten it for this, if you ask me. But he's been nominated for four, time, four Oscars, but never won. That's fucked up. So hopefully at some point the Academy will give him a, like, a lifetime achievement because he deserves it. Um, but now he does the singing voice of Jack Skellington. He has the voice of Beryl. Uh, and he does the voice of the, I am the clown with the tearaway face. Oh gosh, you, you quote that character
1: sometimes. Oh, I
0: quote, I quote a lot of this. The town meeting song is so much fun. The, the, the part here I like is, is the part with the stocking. He's like, oh, does it still have a foot? Let me see. Let me look. Is it rotted and covered with cook? All the voices. And, and I'm a sucker for anything with silly voices. So that's why I like Family Guy. That's why I like a lot of animation. That's why I like silly things like Austin Powers and stuff like that, because I just like doing voices. Um, and this, this is a perfect movie for that, because all these weird creatures. Look at the like, rot. There's a rotting corpse there. It's like, his like, flesh is like leaking down and stuff.
1: I wonder how bad they all smell. All oh, these probably characters. pretty bad. Yeah, it doesn't sound. It doesn't seem like they'd smell very good.
0: No, but I mean, I could see from an aesthetic perspective why people like you and my mom wouldn't like this because it is very gray and very dark, and you're, you know, it's not very pleasant and bright to look at. But that's not the point of it. That's the point of the thing. That's no.
1: And see, then it, so he goes from looking like a baby. Toothless baby to like... Yeah, this is the
0: gif I use all the time yeah, for Happy yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Where he's like, Sandy Claus. <laughs> see, and he, and he feels the character here feels like, he feels the pressure to sort of play up the part of Christmas town that he thinks they'll like by making it all creepy and sort of taking, like, I always see this movie as, as a metaphor for one culture sort of taking another culture and appropriating it as their own.
1: You think that's what they were? Um, maybe, with, or maybe he that's was just going me, for when he wrote about it.
0: I mean, or maybe that's just maybe. It? Well, who wrote the screenplay? Let me look it up. Well, I'm still uh, talking about the poem. Well, the poem was just the concept of the the trees and the holiday oh. lands. I think more. Oh, the poem the, the poem only has Jack Zero and Santa in it. There's no other stuff going. on. Oh, out.
1: is this poem like like?
0: It's a short poem. It's just, and he had some drawings and stuff. So he helped. He was that's why it's plus. Tim Burton's name was marketable because this came out the year after Batman Returns. He was a huge deal already by that point. So this was uh, based on a story and characters by Tim Burton. The adaptation is Michael McDowell and, and uh, screenplay by Carolyn Thompson. So I mean, maybe that's what they were thinking of when they were trying to break the story, as you know, as the phrase goes. Yeah, where's guys.
1: Carolyn Thompson from? I don't know. Well, sometimes people write things based on their own experiences.
0: Yeah, that's true. This
1: oh, from DC. D.C. Oh, okay.
0: But I mean, that's, I mean that, that's the way I like to read the story. And so it's sort of a cautionary tale, tale of, you know, if we're American and we take this thing from where, you know, overseas and we make it here, we're going to, you know, we're going to like basically almost make fun of it and sort of pervert oh, it. Oh, well,
1: just think about the way that um, translations work. Right. Because uh, we know a, a company is trying to advertise pr- and advertise promote in another country. And right in another language and they actually start alienating people because they, yeah, they, see, exactly. the translation was insulting. See, exactly. Because they like, didn't learn enough about the culture and to know.
0: Or what it's, it was. it's basically a game of telephone if telephone was being played by societies that that each like hinged on a certain holiday. Or or think of the way that in here in America we think Cinco de Mayo. We're like, oh, let's go get some tacos and then have some Coronas. And like, oh, Cinco de Mayo. It's an excuse Which to I get think drunk. I they
1: don't even celebrate it in Mexico, but from it's, my understanding. But
0: it's almost like it's become a mockery of Mexican culture. Where we're like, oh, time to get some tacos and have a, like, yeah. and shit like that. You know what I mean? It becomes like sort of a, caric- a caricature of itself. Yeah. So, but in this one, they don't—they don't necessarily make it a caricature as much as they—they they take the elements of Christmas and they make them really like strange. And what
1: was he doing with that? Bear? So, what he's
0: doing here is that this is the um, something's up with Jack. Right before the something's up with Jack scene, he's basically. Oh, I oh, always back... loved
1: cutting snowflakes. Yeah, that was always
0: fun. <laughs> he makes it a spider because it's cool. Uh, but he is basically taking back a bunch of stuff from um, from Christmas Town. And he's trying to understand what it is about Christmas that makes that makes everybody there so happy. So he's taking, but he he's
1: does he want does he want? I think try- to be happy like Christmas Town. Yeah, just-
0: I think he's trying to bring that joy that he that he felt when he went to Christmas Town back to Halloween Town. But the problem is that he doesn't have the same like the town doesn't have the same disconnect from Halloween Town that he's experiencing. So in order to try and understand it so that he can translate it to the rest of the town, he's taking back ornaments, like teddy bears and Christmas trees and stuff. He's trying to like understand break them down on a scientific level, not realizing that what makes Christmas so special to so many people is the metaphysical part of it, the the way you feel inside and that has that at least to me. And that's sort of the message with another one of my favorite holiday-related stories, with How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's not the stuff that makes Christmas, at least not shouldn't, in my mind, not that shouldn't make Christmas. It's not the stuff that makes Christmas special. It's the the feeling you get from being around people and like um, sort of the emotions it stirs up of tradition and love and, you know, goodwill towards men and joy and all that stuff. It's not like, and then he's like crushing ornaments and putting it in a beaker and trying to understand Interesting reaction. But what does it mean? If
1: only he would just do have done an interview with the kids and the elves in Christmastown.
0: Well, yeah, but he's trying, he's, I think, I also think it's interesting here that like for the sequence of the movie, the pumpkin king whose base, main skill is being scary and like getting, like scaring the shit out of people is he becomes a scientist and he's like in his little lab like break, like dissecting but that's how you become the best is you <laughs> dissect I and guess. you evaluate but he's like, dice- like, like to like uh, be better at
1: your job like has
0: a scalpel and he's like surgically like by bisect- like cutting open the teddy bear and looking like at the stuffing and trying to understand what it means and it's like I don't know. It's really funny. He gets all like, like in his little laboratory setting, like he's Dr. Finkelstein.
1: But how did, the, okay, but how did that little berry thing blow up? Just when the microphone... Well, he
0: zoomed, into, he zoomed in a lot on it and squashed it with the, the... Oh,
1: oh, oh okay. I didn't know if like that berry had some type of...
0: Look, um, look, look. See? Problem. Chestnuts over an open fire and like Sandy Claus, which is funny again, because he thinks his name is Sandy Claus because he's thinking like a Halloween Town person not a Christmas town person for obvious reasons. So he thinks claws is like claws, like it's something like with with actual claws on it. I them. like
1: the name though. Sandy claws is Sandy
0: cool. Claws. So you do you, you don't like the whole i I guess I'm gonna keep going back to the Sandy thing since this seems to be your biggest uh bone of contention ah, bone of contention which is funny considering Jack Skellington. Um do you do you not like her storyline where she's sort of like uh basically a rebellious teenager sneaking out on her own and going to see the guy that she likes and like you know what I mean
1: I mean kind of she has
0: her own little coming of age um, story I mean not to say that she's not
1: an interesting story she's just she's just she just freaking depresses me yeah and and this movie is weird and like dark enough like I you know but I get I mean that's who the character is right yeah exactly whatever but it seems like everybody else is more happy than even she is and this is Halloween Town for goodness sake nobody should even be happy right even the mayor has his happy moments
0: I, well, in their fake happy moments, but yes. And then here... Now, here's... This is where she really becomes a driving force of the plot. Up to this point, she's just like, I like you, Jack. We should be friends. We should date and stuff. But less desperate than that.
1: So wait, she's magical?
0: She just had a vision. She's sort of... She's... she. <laughs> look at the rooster. That's just bones. That's hilarious. Oh, uh, uh, Here's something's up with Jack. Um, she had a vision of uh, uh, a Christmas tree burning bursting into flames. So basically... Uh, sort of indicating to her that Jack's Christmas is not going to work out well. How did she anybody. become telepathic? If she yeah, I don't know. They don't they don't explain that. But you know, there's a lot of things in this. They don't explain there's vampires and werewolves and stuff. So I mean, I guess a rag doll who's somehow alive and somehow has prophetic visions.
1: I wish I could sew. I'd like roll with it. I <coughs> wish I could sew like
0: her. I can't sew. Well, yeah, no. your arms don't. Your arms and legs aren't detachable either.
1: Yeah, I guess you had. She had to learn that when she was made so you could always repair herself. Yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly. But I mean they, the 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 creatures of Halloween town do, you know, you were mentioning earlier how she's a kind of a Frankenstein character. They do they do a pretty good job trying to hit not not as as throw a job as Cabin in the Woods, but are trying to hit like a lot of the um ha- ha- Halloween or horror movie monster archetypes you have the vampires you have the werewolf you have the zombie you have like the like scary looking dude with an axe in his head who looks like he's like sort of almost like a leather face type figure but not as horrifying as that you know like the axe murderer basically
1: yeah i guess i don't i don't remember the i don't remember the you'll see him again
0: i'll point him out when he comes out
1: well who's the mayor supposed to be jekyll and hyde
0: maybe yeah maybe a little bit of that that's a good point the ghosts and such uh and Oogie Boogie is literally, like, literally the boogeyman.
1: Right. Right. Do you think the boogeyman in real life really has maggots coming out of it?
0: I don't think the boogeyman's real, okay? Oh. First of all. Oh. <laughs> There's my own
1: bio moment. I guess no, so. No, I know. But, I mean, it, and actually, that is good that, it, it is good that they use the um, Oogie Boogie as boogeyman because a lot of kids are scared of the boogeyman. When they're younger you know they think the boogeyman is going to come get them right so oogie boogie is like the main villain
0: yeah exactly he, yeah and i think that's a smart move because the boogeyman is supposed to be this all-powerful force i mean they we going back to halloween that we were talking about earlier the, the movie not the holiday um michael myers is the whole the whole first movie builds him up as like oh it's the boogeyman that's just like this unstoppable force of nature that comes after you Without reason, without, you know, any rationality, just will not stop until they destroy you. And so it makes sense that even the people in Halloween Town are like, fuck that guy. We don't want to mess with Oogie Boogie. He's, he's scary. He's messed up. He goes to places we don't want to go to. Um, yeah. So he's sort of like the town pariah here. Like, nobody's like, Oogie Boogie. Stay away from him. He's like the Grinch, basically, is to Whoville. Oogie Boogie is to Halloween Town.
1: Yet those kids, yet the kids.
0: The pl- duplicitous little Bastards? Yeah, they
1: should know. They should know better. But I know we're not. We're not there yet. See,
0: there he is with the accent. Oh, said.
1: oh, okay, I see. Exactly. Oh wow, he looks really confused. Yeah, he looks kind of scary. He's actually. kind of
0: dead inside. I think that's sort of the yeah. whole thing.
1: Are they all sort of dead inside? You know what I mean. But yeah. he's like
0: just like he's the Michael Myers of the Leatherface, just like a dude with an a sharp object that's coming. Oh, God, after that's you. a
1: scary baby.
0: This oh, the baby doll. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. So now Jack has had. The revelation that he's like, oh, I should just make it... Of course, I've been too so close to see. The answer's right in front of me. He's just like, I'm just going to reenact Christmas and maybe it'll just happen. Not in, under- not in realizing that he now has totally misunderstood the whole point of Christmas to begin with. And now he's hiring Dr. Finkelstein to make mechanical reindeer that he can fly around in.
1: How long was he in Christmastown for anyway?
0: They don't really... They don't, again...
1: I guess a while because the mayor came to his house and... Was and they had to say he hasn't come
0: back, I think, like overnight or so because he goes walking that one night when after the Halloween where he's sad and he uh he like wanders into someplace new and then he finds the doors and then comes back the next morning where he's like, Where's Jack? He's been gone, he didn't, yeah, he's been gone all night. The guys outside yeah. his house say so, uh, yeah, so I guess overnight where he just like did like reconnaissance mission over there and brought back a bunch of things
1: are these kids trick-or-treating right now that they're
0: supposed to be trick or like they're supposed to be remember i said halloween town tries to cover all the halloween archetypes yeah they're the trick-or-treaters that are like oh. or like the evil children i guess like the, the omen and children of the corn like the bad kids that are like troublemakers
1: yeah but it even said these are boogie's kids or, or whatever
0: yeah so he knows that oogie that they have some kind of relationship with oogie boogie yeah, as and he just he's said, saying, "Leave him out he thought of this." He didn't like us. And yeah, yeah. And of course, why not would Jack listen. Skellington trust them? And I don't know, Jack Skellington.
1: He's very, he's a very naive, na- isn't yeah, he?
0: A little bit. A he's little a bit. toothless baby. he's <laughs> sort of. No, I'm never gonna be able to unsee that when I see him smile. It's only that one moment where, really, too, where He's like, no, he did it again when he was um, when he was looking out the window after doing his experiments. He's,
1: um, he's like, he did the did the, the big smile again
0: oh yeah, yeah when he yeah okay it's whenever he says that smile then um i will say confession this kidnap the sandy Claus" is probably my least favorite song in this i think that probably also goes to the fact that i don't really like lock shock and barrel too too much i kind of I find them kind of they're kind of the most boring characters in this movie to me but i understand that you know it you know but aren't they the they ones need that's to drive this really the
1: conflict the biggest conflict yeah
0: well they're they're the hench people that kidnap Santa Claus and bring him to Oogie Boogie for the whole third act so I mean they're kind of an important part of the plot and I like I do like the fact that we're watching a a kids movie in air quotes about where there's a whole song about kidnapping Santa Claus chopping him in the bits and bringing him to uh to the boogeyman so he can like cook him in his in a stew and stuff. But
1: okay, so wait, what did what did Jack Skellington tell them to do? Told
0: them to go and get Santa Claus and retrieve him, but not to kidnap him and, right, okay. and bring him to Oogie Boogie cuz Santa uh,
1: Okay, cuz that would make Jack Skellington like just as deranged.
0: Nah, sort of, but he doesn't want to not to yeah, he doesn't want to kidnap him. He's like he's telling to be nice and like bring him here because I I you know, I need his help.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Recruit him to help me with, with my Christmas, not kidnap him and, and like torture him and shit like they're planning on doing.
1: Well, my question is, is, how much did Halloween already technically pass?
0: Yeah. Halloween was the beginning of the movie when this oh. is Halloween. That, that. Oh, well, that so made, now, okay, so that's why the next morning the mayor was over at Jack's house to be like, Jack, I oh, have some then plans for next Halloween. Yes, left. exactly. Oh, OK, OK. Exactly. Got it. Can we get a? Can we just get rid of our cars and just travel in a bathtub with feet that walks around? Because that would be cool, like they're doing right now. So many weird little creepy touches like that. Because you do see, like back in the day, they don't have them so much now. But the bathtubs that do have legs like that.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. I wonder why
0: they stopped making them. I don't know. It's kind of a made them boring
1: now. They just not like legs like, like that where they sit walk. In the, but like, they yeah. just sit in the floor.
0: Yeah, they're just built into the floor now.
1: So that way, I guess your water doesn't fly everywhere from the plumbing. But.
0: Yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about lock, shock, and barrel. Even though t- all these years later, they're still less interesting to me than everybody else. Wait a minute, did yes. Guy Ritchie? That's, I think that's just a lock, stock, and barrel is just a, is an expression, and I think both lock, shock, and barrel, and lock, stock, and two smoking barrels are variations on that sp- that expression. What that expression means, I'm not 100 percent sure because it's not. An yeah, I was hoping you
1: were actually going to take a cuteo look at lock,
0: shock, and barrel. Well, Maybe it's lock, stock, and barrel. That's I, think it's what lock,
1: so I think it's just they yeah, did shock see, as a man.
0: Yeah. Lock, stock, and barrel, including everything completely. So the place, like the, the example here is the place is owned lock, stock, and barrel by an oil company. Okay. So basically, yeah. So basically, it's like saying, oh, if I, I own this thing, lock, I guess the locks, like the door, like the building itself, stock, all the stuff you have, and barrel, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, so that's. it's just an expression to mean everything. Including wow. everything's included. Because that
1: would have been really cool if Guy Ritchie's like, "I love Nightmare Before Christmas that so would have, much." That would have been really but cool. But name my movie, Lockstock Stock and Two Smoking Farrell.
0: That would have been cool. But no, they're both very—they're both variations on that expression, ah. which is really outdated. I don't think anybody uses that expression anymore.
1: Well, clearly, I've never really. Well, heard Well, I mean, of it. I'd
0: heard of it, but, but probably like not. But not you didn't know what it meant. Time. Yeah, not exactly. I probably in context I would know what it meant, but just out of without just just hearing it like that, I don't. I didn't. It didn't click with me because again it's not something i've ever said until now when i read it here and
1: with these two how much interaction have they actually
0: had Uh, in general you think well the movie well the movie is like i said only 76 minutes long and i think a big part of that is because stop motion animation is so hard and painstaking to do a lot of stop motion animated films are like on the 80 minute and under side um I think actually, Kubo is like maybe a hundred and something minutes, and that's the longest stop motion animated movie the, thus far. So they they try and trim the fat as much as possible. I can imagine the script for this was probably more like ninety minutes or a little more.
1: That's a typical.
0: Well, right, yeah, 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 but they probably had to cut it down because they're like, we that would cost too much. We don't have the money for that because you know. Or the have patience. To, well, that yeah, too, but or the time. Or so. Okay. Well, before oh, we'll, we'll get back bunny to that. Is cute. We'll get back to that. But <laughs> they still did the Easter Bunny instead, which I think is is a fun little um, reference to the fact that there are are these other doors and these other holiday lands that we don't really get to visit, which is unfortunate. Because if this was a movie that came out now, if this did well, you know, Disney would be like, all right, fuck yeah, we're doing another Nightmare Before Easter or whatever. There would be a shared universe where we'd have seen other characters go into these other places. Um, but I mean when you really think about it i can't imagine any of the other lands being as interesting as halloween and christmas because yeah, they're the most well-defined characters Go, right well, so ahead.
1: okay so those kids already knew what they were doing they already knew Santa claus was but they yeah yeah they didn't got the wrong money person as a, as they, went,
0: they no 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 they went through the wrong door oh
1: because they don't because they don't because based on their plan they don't want to bring santa claus over i think yeah, that
0: could have been a plot hole you just found actually I, I don't know.
1: Isn't could be possible they're trying to trick you. You think they're trying,
0: You think they're trying to play dumb?
1: Yeah, maybe. Oh, maybe that. That's
0: Yeah. Oh, and so apparently it's now 35 days to Christmas. Because I guess that makes sense because October 31st and then December 25th. If maybe that's where they're going with. Cuz how many days are between Halloween and Christmas? Like
1: not yeah but probably 35 days Six, no no 36. there's more than
0: that there's a month like almost two months so is like 60 days or something so at this point time has passed he's had the meeting they're getting things ready so now it's up to this point because halloween is the last the end of the month then you have all of november and True. then you have 25 days and so it's like what 56 days or something Oh, okay so this movie from my understanding of it, it takes place between october 31st and december right. 20th plus
1: he had to have that time that he was doing his lab right
0: all of that yeah exactly so now they're making <laughs> making Christmas. I like this song a lot better, actually. And this is this song pretty much embodies the whole thing I was saying about the misappropriation of one culture for another's purpose. And I like that this duck basically re- is sort of a uh recreation of the penguins like little duck car thing that he rides. Oh, he really? In Batman Returns. It's basically oh, I looks, didn't think about it looks that. very similar.
1: Oh my god. What is it? that a like little, a bat baby? Yeah, sort of kind of want one. See, you
0: even have the demon guy that looks like Satan a little bit there. And um, What we were we saying that we were sort of wanted to come right back to when we forgot? Oh,
1: um, well, the days between Halloween and Christmas yeah, and no, then before that we the, were saying um, something. And that they that the kids may have been trying to show a ruse that they really didn't know who, what door to go through and they were just trying to be like, oh, see, we're trying. That way they could kidnap uh, Santa Claus. Yeah. And, oh,
0: no, no. you. I know, I got it. You were talking about Sally and how do they know each other and I was saying oh, they had oh. to cut it down to 76 minutes probably blah, blah, blah. But we get the sense that they're friends and that they like confidants, but that she has a thing for him and he's totally oblivious to it.
1: Which I guess is it makes more sense than her just being like, "Oh, Jack Skellington, I love him from afar. I love Jack Skellington because he's he's like yeah, so yeah, of like a celebrity of the town."
0: I mean, there's a little of that, I think too. Look at the roadkill of the turtle; whose head just fell off when he when he <laughs> held it up. Um, I think there's an element of their relationship that probably is that. But I mean, she's also, you know, they also have become. That's probably how they're honestly. If there was a prequel to this, that's probably how the relationship started. She was like a Jack the Jack Skellington groupie, not the groupie in like they were like he was, she was throwing himself at her, herself at him, but uh, a groupie isn't like she was a big fan, and then she's a fangirl. exactly. And th- that's probably how it started. And then over the time, they, she's developed real feelings for him, and he's kind of come to trust her, but it's not. It's it hasn't turned it hasn't turned well I mean they trust each other but they're friends but this hasn't turned into romance like she wants it to at this point. Yeah, I the love The doctor this has like
1: the weirdest when he gets happy his mouth gets all like he doesn't get become a toothless baby per se no. but he becomes what?
0: He's scary looking. But look see and the color in Christmas Town. That's so that's such a brilliant uh juxtaposition cuz you instantly know when you're in Christmas Town. Because there's all the colors everywhere, and then you see, then you go there, and you're like, "Whoa, this is fucking creepy." Actually, now they now they actually have some orange, which they didn't even have really have orange in Halloween Town before, and so maybe which that's which is the weird
1: thing. because you gotta have orange, and yeah, orange and orange and black right there with the yeah. Thing.
0: I think you have a little bit of maybe the addition of orange at this point in the story in Halloween Town, orange and green, like more shades, a little bit more shades of color is supposed to visually. Um, represent the grad like the, the leaking of Christmas into their town because now to they're a little more going on. There's a little more color. It's not all just gray oh, and drab. Oh yeah, place.
1: orange instead of red. There's orange and, and green. The, the, yeah. the weird dark, darkish
0: green color. <laughs> I don't. I love this part where he says, "It's Christmas time," <laughs> and you're like, "Jesus, dude, you just made Christmas fucking scary." So now we're two days to Christmas. One day to Christmas. Sorry, my bad.
1: And she's. And then Mrs. Claus. Mrs. Claus, Mrs. Yeah. Claus. Okay. He's
0: going over the list and checking it twice. And um, poor
1: Santa, he's got such an exhausting job. Sort of. I guess he gets his rest for 364 days, so he can handle
0: this. Yeah, well, he's preparing for it 364 days. Oh, and here we go. This is the moment. Trick or treat. And then they grab him.
1: I wonder if it, Chris, people in Christmas Town, like if Santa Claus ever wondered about Halloween Town, if he's ever wandered in the forest.
0: Maybe okay. that could have been another. Maybe he wanders into Easter Town or something.
1: You know, or maybe he goes Independence Day town because that's why we have Christmas decorations even in July. Maybe. Because <laughs> Christmas overtakes um, our, pretty much half the year.
0: See, this is like when you're trying to help out a friend and you know that they're not doing, they're they're, they're like, you're like, hey, I, know that I noticed that you've been drinking a lot. Or like, hey, I don't know if that relationship's working out for you or something like that. And you're trying to like intervention them. And you're oh, just totally not ruse. seeing it.
1: Okay. Yeah, I guess it was just a plot hole. Okay.
0: Well, we, well, well, not really a plot hole. They just made a, like a straight-up mistake, I guess, the first time. Because here they bring Santa Claus there, just like they would, did with Easter Bunny. And they're just like, oh, we brought the wrong one, damn. Um, but because I, they, I don't through, they didn't realize there were multiple doors.
1: Right, but if they're trying to kidnap Santa Claus, why did they bring Santa Claus to Jax Kellington first?
0: Well... I think their plan is to bring him to Jack Skellington, and then to bring him instead of bringing him back, bringing him to Oogie Boogie. This is that's what they do here.
1: Oh, okay. Like I said, I've only seen this one. Right, right,
0: yeah, yeah. I've seen this like a thousand times. I should have had a, I should have had that answer a little quicker than that, but I haven't seen it in a while.
1: Okay, but yeah, you're talking about like kind of like an intervention. She knows this. Yeah, is she's not go she knows. Well. Yeah,
0: and she's like Jack. I know you think something's trying to reason with him. While she's she's still a good enough friend that she's helping him. But she's also trying to be like, Jack, I know you think something's missing, but she's like, hmm, something's missing. He's like, oh, the hat! That's what's missing. I am like, no, this is not... This is so much worse than I thought. Because she sees that Santa Claus is being, you know... His holiday has been being stolen, basically, by, the like, commandeered by Jack. And that she knows that that's not... That he's the pumpkin king. This is his thing. You know what I mean? It's like, this is what he was meant to do. And he's just trying to find meaning in other, pieces, other people's places, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if, if President Obama went to Canada and he's like, I'm going to be Canadian prime minister. He's like, no, you're the U.S. president. I'm like, no, I'm going to run it. Hey, we're, we're running, what we, we need to run some pass some laws, eh? You know what I mean? It doesn't work like that. You, this is your, you know what I mean? It's sort of that kind of thing. This is your calling, and you, for some reason you feel stuck, but that doesn't mean stealing someone else's job is going to really... Solve that problem for you because it's an internal struggle that you need to kind of come to terms with yourself.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because even as like he's, it seems like even when he's preparing for um, for Christmas, like it does seem like Jack Skellington, there's still that sadness there. Yeah. That he's just kind of still going through the motions. Still emotions. searching.
0: Yeah. right and in the beginning you know he had that really he, he felt the the joy of christmas and he was trying to bring it back to them but i feel like in the process of trying to sell them on it he loses sight of what he was trying to do in the first place
1: yeah well, where would you rather live halloween town or christmas town i don't know can i go back and forth and visit
0: i kind of like them both christmas halloween town kind of seems like a bummer though
1: and i guess that's why it's good that we have these different <sighs> holidays only one day a year because then we can have halloween experience that and that you know that that darkness, and then and then go to Christmas two months later. Yeah. and have that brightness. So it's exactly you know. But these poor people, they get stuck. They're stuck in.
0: Can we can we point out how awesome Boogie Oogie Boogie is and how much I love him? I do know. I I oh, do know you love so Oogie, Boogie. and I
1: know you like that thing on Amazon.
0: That they have. They, they have the, the Oogie Boogies? They have the figures yeah. of them. I almost bought those last year or whatever when they came out. Oh man, maybe when the Toys R Us opens near our house, I'll have to go over there and see what they have. But he's just it's such a dynamic looking character. Um, and can we talk about how his whole, his whole lair is like blacklight, basically? Maybe it's part of the reason Spencer's and Hot Topic are like all about it, because they have a whole section in the back of Spencer's gifts. There's just blacklight posters and shit least basically looks like Oogie Boogie's house. You that's remember true. that?
1: yeah. Yeah, since when? Why is Oogie Boogie in the
0: 70s? He's got basically, the, the motif they went with for him is the whole gambling thing. So he's like, are you a gambling man, Sandy, or whatever? I don't know why I made him sound like, uh... I don't know, Morgan Freeman, he was like, are you a gambling man, Santa Claus? Yeah. But no, so he's got the casino theme going on where he, he throw, rolls the, the dice and everything. and But he gambles with other people's lives. That's sort of his thing. Isn't
1: that what Two-Face does?
0: Sort of.
1: He, he flips, flips a coin. coin. Yeah. And you, a See, the sound guy. of rolling
0: dice to me is music in the air. Because I'm a gambling boogeyman, although I don't play fair, and he's basically standing on a roulette wheel. It's really well. It's really the design and, and the different environments in this movie is so impressive to me still, even 23 years later. And yeah, it's not as it's not as visually impressive as something in Kubo. It's more just the, the ingenuity in the in the concepts of what they are trying to do here. But you I can
1: see why somebody might think this movie's cheesy.
0: Really, what like maybe, like, maybe. It, I mean
1: was like, um, like with the songs like maybe, like with this one it's like oh I'm Mr. Oogie Boogie and just you know I could see that there some might think interpret it to be a
0: little bit more corny mm, I mean I guess it's they're trying to make it palatable they're trying to make it palatable to kids too it's trying to be palatable to kids and adults you know um which the best I mean the best animated movies do work for both I hate we've talked about this a million times but not necessarily on the podcast as much um, but I hate the fact when people are like, "Oh, that's an animated movie. That's for kids." I'm like, "No, animation is a style. There's a lot of animated movies, especially overseas. You go to like Japan, and they have all those anime series and films. Those are not for kids at all. They're bloody. There's nudity. There's sex scenes. There's all kinds of stuff going on. It's a it's a method of it's a medium that you use for telling a story. It's just in the U.S. we have this terrible stigma of, oh, it's such for kids for kids. I don't want to see that." In fact, I was listening to a Slash Filmcast recently and they were talking about, they have this new segment called Slash Film Court where they have different dilemmas and people write in and like, hey, so this is what's going on with me and movie related dilemmas. And then the, then the hosts sort of come up with their decree of what their decision is. And someone was writing in saying about how they feel funny going to see like animated movies by themselves. That they'd be judged by their friend because they go to see a Pixar movie or things like that. Like there's some kind of stigma involved. With it. And I'm like, fuck hey guys, you, man. Guys, like the
1: same thing of being afraid to eat dinner by yourself. I
0: mean, like, but it's no because it's but it's because of the type of film that it is. And like Pixar movies are better than 90 percent of live action movies. So I don't I don't understand that at all. Um, so yeah, so. Um, you know, you have to, a lot of times animated films here have to sort of work with that stigma and be like, all right, so it has to be palatable. The people want it to be for kids. So we'll make it for kids, but not just for kids. We'll make it accessible to kids, but have deeper subtext and deeper, you know, character driven story that will draw the parents in as well. So the parents aren't sitting there for 30, 90 minutes being like, how oh, much more of this shit?
1: And, yeah, and a lot Which, of uh, animated movies that come out are just like that.
0: Pretty much. Angry Birds movie, Ratchet & Clank. I've seen a few of them this year, actually, that are pretty terrible.
1: He wrote that article about Norma of the North. Oh, my God. Of worst movies of the Yeah, of so
0: people listening to this, go watch Chris Stuckman's review of that. Oh, my God, on YouTube. So funny. I actually had to show Kai, even though she doesn't watch a lot of that stuff on YouTube as much as I do. Um, but we just went past in the movie. To talk about the movie that we're watching, we just went past the Rudolph um, moment there where they're like there goes Christmas and Zero's nose was oh better to, better to light my way which is the kind of reference there uh, that I was sort of cute
1: That's cute. Yeah, so I doesn't guess that really do sense. that he doesn't
0: really do that much to, well, well I mean I guess it does I was going to say it doesn't do that much to drive the plot forward but it, it does because that's Sally was trying Sally created the fog to try and stop Jack because Jack's not listening to her about not going through with it. I don't know why she thought that would work. Jack seems very headstrong to me.
1: Yeah. Like, kind of intense. Look,
0: and see, she's like, oh, will he see how much he means to me? Think it's not to be. And she's like trying to be with Jack. And she's like, oh, he's, this is not going anywhere. And See, this is her mournful song. It's like, "What will become my dear friend. Which when you take the music, I was like, wah, 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 so I can see why you guys are like Jamie, She's a bummer. Um, I I but I I like it, even though yeah, it this this song is particularly sad. But I would encourage people that do enjoy Sally's song, which is what this is called. They didn't really give it much of a name. It's just her song. Um, to check out the Nightmare Revisited album that came out a few years ago. With a lot of like rock, uh, alternative rock acts covering these songs because Amy Lee of Evanescence sings this, and Jesus, that's a perfect marriage of voice and material.
1: Yeah, she seems, ah, such, she so seems kind perfect. of like a sad girl. Sort of,
0: right? Yeah. That, so I actually bought that on iTunes years ago when like, the album came out. So I, I should listen to that actually now. Not now because we're doing this, but after this. Um, but Amy Lee does a great cover of Sally's song um, for people that haven't heard it for some reason. Um, so now we finally. How did he know where to go? Didn't he think he needed to go through the, the tree door again? He probably did. He probably flew that way. I don't know. We don't see it. We don't see how he gets through there.
1: He just kind of did a toothless baby thing again.
0: He did. He did. He's very excited about this.
1: But I would be if I was those kids and I was getting these presents. I'd be scared.
0: Oh well, yeah. That's and that's that's where you realize where you're watching because most of this movie you're from Halloween Town's perspective and you're like oh okay this is kind of weird and crazy they're trying to do Christmas all right whatever we'll see how this she thinks it's not gonna go well shit the fuck up Sally this is cool and then you see here and you're like oh wait oh oh wait no this is bad <laughs> they, they've jacked on a terrible thing on accident uh, <laughs> but and this is this to me is where like a lot of the dark comedy of the film really comes in where the little kid gets his present from Santa now, and then the parents come in and they're like, "What well, did Santa get you, honey?" And he lifts up the shrunken head, and the parents are just like freaking out. It's so great.
1: Well, I hope that the parents got him something just as, you know, just as just in case, because you know, I got my Santa Claus presents and I got my my presents from my parents. So hopefully they well, but they in this world, in it.
0: this world, spoilers for real life. In this world, Santa Claus is real. So. They don't have. They probably these parents in the Christmas town probably don't have to be like, all right, time to go to sleep because Santa's coming, and then stay up and eat the cookies and be like, oh look, see what Santa left you. Um, like we're gonna have to do with our kids, you know what I mean? They have. Uh, they actually have a real Santa that they can. In this universe. That's true. They can deal Good with.
1: Point. That's an oh, never mind. I was just gonna say, what a nice looking wreath. <laughs> well,
0: it was until it, it showed you realize it was a creature. Oh gosh. The snake. Yeah, the snake, the snake that comes back. It, it eats the tree. You see it eating. No, oh, you eating. You see it eating the tree, and the kids dinner like freaking out. Oh, um, I would that be freaking and out. And by the way, since I mentioned earlier about the duck, uh, that little cat—that's the, the cat doll that the little girl's holding. Yeah, that cat doll is actually the logo for Max Shrek's department store in Batman Returns. Max Shrek is the oh, Christopher Walken character. Oh, that's like the logo. Is that is an image of that? Oh, I have all kinds of random trivia. Well, I'm, glad I'm glad that the cat didn't, the,
1: like, attack their face.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, the tree of bats. <sighs> wow.
1: Look, like, it's just
0: the, <laughs> the kid with the, the snake eating the tree. just like, ah! It's so funny. Um, but also not fun. And then now shit gets real here when the parents are, like, closing their windows, locking the doors, closing the fireplace. And then this one's, fuck it, they turn the fire up. They're like, we're going to burn this asshole when it comes to our house. I love that.
1: And poor that's Santa Claus fire. lost his lost trust in people. Well,
0: yeah, unfortunately, because they're getting all the police is getting all the calls being like, "Yeah, I know a skeleton. Just lock your doors." And it's like it's like it's like a crime wave happening in Christmas Town, essentially. Then an imposter shamelessly impersonating Santa Claus, <laughs> mocking and mangling the joyous holiday. Yeah, exactly. That's what happens, man. When you take and over then they're all, all very, very happy about, about it. it because they think that's good. Mocking and man- they're like the Adams family. They everything that's that's bad is good.
1: What's what's that dog, 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 dog.
0: bad bad wrong kung kung pao thing? Yeah. Oh, that's a totally separate thing. That's not opposite. That's not that's not that. Um, but it's yeah, similar similar concept, I guess. Um, yeah. So it's like Adam's family where they're like, "How was your day? Terrible." And they're like, "Like it's a good thing." Things like that. Um, but yeah, this is this is again another. I mean, when did the this, second this Adam's stuff,
1: family come out?
0: Nineteen eighty three.
1: Oh, 91 so, and 93.
0: Oh, yeah. So, same year as this. Yeah. Oh, OK. So and so. I was a huge fan of that, too. I guess I like I like borderline morbid stuff, but not really morbid stuff. Like I'm not a am not into torture porn and I'm not a huge like I like horror movies, but I'm not a horror like a fanatic. I am in October more than ever. You're not a horror horror? I'm not, I'm, I'm not. a No, that's mean. <laughs> that's mean to people that like horror movies. Um, I like the like
1: the, uh, the way you say that.
0: I'm not a horror fanatic. Um, but, um, but I, I do like things that are spooky, but, like, safe spooky. Especially. Especially, as guess, as, as a kid, because I liked Goosebumps. I heard, oh, still have a lot of the Goosebumps that I read as a kid. And, uh, yeah, obviously, movies like this. And,
1: obviously, Sally looks like she's the smartest person in Halloween. Time. Pretty
0: much. And that's what Santa Claus points out in a little bit. Oh. Which you will, you'll see. But, yeah, see, she basically... That's that's the good thing when you can disassemble your body. You can like try and throw the villain off the track.
1: Yeah, I've tried to disassemble my body and it doesn't really...
0: No, please don't do that. It doesn't
1: really work out very well.
0: That Yeah, don't don't try and do that because you'll be like, not that would not work out well.
1: And especially since I can't sew, you know. The, yeah, ah, he,
0: little Harry and Jordan. Yeah, Won't they be surprised together? <laughs> yeah, they will. And look, and his sleigh is a coffin. I actually kind of forgot about that.
1: And actually, like, oh, his sleigh is a coffin
0: like, that's open on top. In
1: a way, it looked like from a certain, another angle, it looked like those were like little bats on the coffin. But oh,
0: maybe it's from no, Halloween Town, so possible. So. I think it's just the way that it. Oh, it's just up. the design. Yeah. So, so yeah, so this is where this part is where like starting with the fire going up. Now it's like the army in Christmas Town is like like straight up blowing his ass out of the sky, and then you get the night before Christmas reference. Well, Merry Christmas to all Unto all a good night You know It was the night before Christmas And all through the house Blah blah blah
1: I just said he has absolutely, absolutely no idea What's happening Yet everybody in Christmas town Knows Jack- what's happening Halloween town They know what's happening And Jack's just like Oh this is great
0: He thinks he's doing it. He thinks he's helping them out He thinks he's giving Santa- Is he not getting
1: the radio report That they're getting
0: No I, don't, I guess not I don't think They his, should have I don't think his sleigh Was, was uh, um, equipped with that uh, The mayor is now Thinking that Jack is dead even though he's a skeleton, so I don't even know how you would kill him. But I, I, yeah, I love Jack though. He means well. It's like what we say about our relatives when they're being slightly, moderately intrusive. We're like, but they mean well. So yeah. you know, we love them. It's like that. It's like Jack is not—he's not malicious at all. Once he realizes that he's made a terrible mistake, he does. I hope there's still time to set things right, and he tries. And he goes and, and makes it right. Um. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's conflicting this, this part of the film because you're like, "No, Jack, what the hell are you doing?" But you know he's, he's trying to find finds a new purpose in life, and uh, yeah, it doesn't go so well for him. No, they're going to So Basically Christmas. So basically stay live, live in your boxes, folks. Don't try to broaden your horizons, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> sort of. I mean, you could look at it that way. I don't like, But look how beautiful that is that he lands in the arms of the angel statue.
1: Well, and so what he could have done was just, he could have, what it really is, is he needed to think outside the box, not steal someone else's
0: box. Exactly. Right. It, yeah. See? Well put. Good job, Kai. I, I agree.
1: Yeah. There is a lesson in this and it's not. Oh important.
0: yeah. That's, I forgot. That's the other, that's the other way that he gets in and out. There's the doors on that statue. Oh. He goes in there and that's how he gets back to Halloween town. You'll see in a second. But so, but look, look how, see, I mean, you can't hear it because we haven't a voodoo doll? Uh, it the, well, it's the doll that he was going to... Maybe maybe it was, it was one of the presents that got on fire when he was in the sleigh. Um, but look, look how... The, it's such a Broadway style of performing where he's just like, find a deep cave to hide and in a million years they'll find me. Like, it sounds like it's made for theater. So I still don't understand why you can't get like a slim actor, put the makeup on him like a skeleton, and then make this... Doug Jones! Yeah, Doug Jones or someone like that. Well, we have a friend, our friend Gordon, is super thin frame like that, where he like, dresses up as C-3PO and fits in the suit and everything. So someone with that slim of a frame could totally pull this off on stage. You know what? You put this on Broadway like they did Beauty and the Beast, like they did Aladdin, and like they did Lion King, from the same era of Disney animated films, by the way, now with the cult following that this film has, where I don't even say it's a cult following anymore. I feel like this has now basically become a classic. It's not even a cult classic anymore it's become like mainstream in the way that rocky horror is cult classic but not really now it's so mainstream that fox is doing their own remake of it you know what i mean you put this out now sells out immediately i guarantee it
1: you'll be the first one in line
0: no i mean no i mean not in broadway i don't i don't live in new york but i mean it would sell out right away i don't understand why disney's not calling me right now about this
1: I know. But, you should be telling me. You, you should don't be really in the conference not really studios. need. You don't
0: really need to adapt. I mean, maybe you might want to flesh out the story a little bit because people pay like $100 a ticket to go see a movie that's, a, or to go see a play that's like an hour. They'd be like, the hell? So maybe flesh oh, it out. Oh, I'm sure they could add more songs. Yeah, well, add more They turn Legally song- Blonde to a yeah, musical. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, see? You make Legally Blonde and Shrek and shit like that into stage musicals. This is a musical already. And yeah, you know, you can't capture the same, you can't capture the exact same visual look of stop motion but you can have you can do the set design exactly like these
1: well we've seen Beauty and the Beast on stage yeah you know, that right? was great and those you know you people that are just there's candles ways, there's, there's ways
0: to do it yeah
1: and they did a great job they're doing so... a Harry
0: Potter stage like play right now in London with magic and spells and stuff happening and like they go I mean that story a nice a, a huge chunk of that story deals with time travel and them going back and reliving other eras and different versions of the same character and stuff like that they could pull this off that's what I'm saying, it's, and and I mean, it would be it would be another like smash hit. I w- I would love to see that happen. I just think it's it's just I wonder how they would do oogie boogie. It's maybe so a rare. guy in like a burlap bag. Oh yeah, there's, yeah. There's ways to do it. You know, you have a guy have a guy in like some kind of a prost- like some kind of crazy costume. They did the candlestick in Beauty Beauty and the Beast. They could do oogie boogie. I know.
1: I was so I was really impressed with Beauty and the Beast and how they were able to. Yeah, it was make- really cool you know um inanimate objects into actual live characters on stage
0: but they could do oogie boogie and then like when his seam gets pulled or whatever have like a trap door where the actor drops out and then it's like this like the, the this kang thing maybe with things moving on it or whatever yeah there's ways there's a million ways to do it they're very it's a lot there's a lot more um not technology necessarily but there's a lot more creative ways of doing things like that on stage now than there were back in the day when it was like you have a flat surface you have actors that's a you know there's trap doors there's all kinds of like different kinds of tricks that they can use to tell the story yeah and there, boogie 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 thinks he's one why did the where's Dude. the black light go yeah, he has the lights on right now oh why does oogie boogie look scared of him Is, this must be a trick because he was dead because oh. he thinks he's like they said you were dead and see, and he and he and he's pretending yeah, and it's also yeah, it's also a trick. He also pretends to be scared so that he can go and hit the switch to have this thing happen. So I, they don't really explore in this movie what their their relationship is like. I feel I would like they think, would definitely be
1: compo- oh, like huge competitors, oh, like yeah, frenemies. Probably. So I wonder if, not
0: fren- Well, not I well like, not enemies.
1: Or maybe uh, because they're both competing like I would think Oogie Boogie is like the scary guy in he's like he's like the, a the pariah
0: game. person so I wonder if Oogie Boogie maybe used to be like the king of Halloween Town and then Jack came along and just kind of whooped his ass and so now Oogie Boogie resents Jack for that or something because there's definitely some hatred going on on the like Jack's like Jack knows to stay away from Oogie Boogie he's like you leave Boogie Boogie out of this he says to the kids and then Oogie Boogie is like seems like he has an issue with Jack he's like I hate you asshole you know, right off the bat right off the bat he seems like he hates him. Um so that this is this always grossed me out as a kid, but like in a fun way. Like, oh, he's a lot of bugs inside. Oh. That's
1: that's such... kind of also looks like candy. Like buggy candy.
0: Yeah, I guess. Like gummy worms. Yeah, thing. sort of. I could see that. Maybe that's what they use. And then mean. his voice like
1: my bugs, my bugs
0: turns into like that. I love that.
1: Yeah. Oh ghost ghost Santa Claus.
0: Yeah, he does the final blow.
1: Aw, and now he feels bad.
0: Exactly. See, now you're getting sad, toothless baby. <laughs> See? She, she's the only one who makes any sense around this insane asylum. I told you, he points that out. Skeletons and boogeymen. <laughs> and Santa Claus always has an answer. Lays his finger aside of his nose, just like in the night before Christmas. Why does he
1: look like he has lipstick on?
0: I don't know. very voluptuous fits his figure of course he'd have poofy lips because look at his belly and stuff um but yeah that's another reference like the merry christmas to all and to a good night with jack falling and then also the laying his finger aside of his nose like the night before christmas story which the the title of this film is a variation on obviously
1: right well it's like the title also of the movie nightmare before christmas that's, that's a great that, title. That sounds scary to somebody that's 10 years old. Like, yeah. why, why is it a nightmare? Like, I was scared of Nightmare on Elm Street and without even seeing the movie. So, like, maybe for me, seeing Nightmare for Christmas, I'm like, oh, no, maybe it's a scary movie. And, you know,
0: and I. It is. It's, I mean, for kids, it's scary. I mean, we wouldn't show our kids this until they're the right. Oh, I gave them a puppy. We wouldn't show our kids this until they're the right age. Like, you wouldn't put this on for, like, a four-year-old. It might freak them the hell out. But like, you know, seven, eight, nine, whatever, and up, you're, you should be fine.
1: As long as there's parental guidance. This is PG, right?
0: I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's clearly yeah, it not G. No, no, no. It shouldn't be G. I mean, it's PG is, is perfect. It's There's nothing like super objectionable about it, but it's also like you wouldn't bring like a, toddlers because it's it's a little dark. It's too dark and you don't want them to sing. That's kidnapped. funny that you corrected yourself to go from a little dark to too dark. It's a little too... Well, it's a little dark. It's dark, but it's too dark for kids, is what I'm saying. Right. It's a little dark for us as adults. You're like, oh, it's kind of dark. It's spooky. Okay. But for a little kid, this is too dark for a little kid. And now here, it's cute, it's cute. Because now, with Santa flying over with snow, the residents of Halloween Town actually get their first taste of like genuine Christmas. And they're like, what's this? What's this? And they start feeling a little bit of what Jack got when he went there. And then the mayor becomes not scary. And they're playing hockey with the pumpkin and things like that, doing snow angels. I like that. It's really cute. And they sort of, the people in Halloween Town, sort of have a little bit more of an understanding and appreciation for Christmas without wanting to take it over. Right. So they can exist separately and respect each other and be aware of each other's existence, but without being like, oh, we're going to steal your shit and do, our, do it our own way. Dr. Finkelstein now took out half of his brain and made a, a lady for himself so he doesn't have to like hold Sally back. The cliff is now covered in snow to 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 demonstrate the the change that the town has undergone, and of course Sally still wants to be with Jack, and he sort of be like Sally. I never noticed before they got swept away from Oogie Boogie's house. See, I can sort of watch this, but not really, and still reference it so well because I've seen it a million times. Oh, okay. See this. I know this is gonna sound weird, but this part where where Jack is singing to Sally, and then they sing together and they like come together which sounds more sexual than I meant it as, but, and they like end up together and sit together now and forever. I get the feels with this a little bit. It's a really sweet moment. Um, and probably the most like genuine and sincere part that you ever see in, in Christmas, in, uh, Halloween town up until this point, we're simply meant to be, which is why you see some things like on Etsy for this. It's like, these, like, romantic-y things where it's Jack and, and Sally and it's, like, simply meant to be and stuff like that because it is sort of a... There's, like, an, a an, a love story. It sort of is, like, underpinning throughout all of this old craziness with the two holidays. And then you get, you get a snowflake. You have the two of them standing on there and then it goes... The End, directed by Henry Selick. So, what are your thoughts now, having seen it a second time, sort of?
1: Well, it would have been... It would have been nice to like hear more of the music and stuff. Yeah, well, but, yeah, but uh, then but, we can't.
0: But then we can't talk about it exactly.
1: Without, or, I mean, at least, we, without getting sued.
0: Without getting sued, and also then making it harder for people to listen to us talking. Right. That can you imagine what that would sound like? Just like with a movie in the background, that sounds like it would be too hectic of a listening experience. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, no, I mean, um, and it's interesting doing these commentaries because you know both you know, you can talk about the symbolism of things, about the film and, you know, maybe what break it would, down a little yeah, more as opposed to having to follow the story. Yeah. Right. And I'm all about, I'm all about, you know, analysis. I mean,
0: it's, it still doesn't resonate with you the way it does with me, but you seem like you appreciate it maybe a little more than you did an hour and 15 minutes ago. Yeah,
1: I mean, I definitely appreciate the movie and I see what, and I appreciate what they're trying to do. It's just, um, and I, and I guess I can see why people love it so much. It's just not really for me.
0: Yeah, it's not your—it's not your style of thing. That's how I feel about certain things. You know, that's how I feel about other stuff, like Transformers. Well, okay, I was gonna say Transformers. I see why people like it, but I, I kind of don't. see why people like it. That's a bad example. Transformers and Twilight are the two franchises that I'm like, no, and that shouldn't be around. That should not be a thing. It's terrible. I got nothing for you. But um, I don't know. Name something else. Not TV shows. I mean, I guess Game of Thrones, because I'm not—I've never really gotten into that. Because I've never really wanted to get into that, but I don't think it sucks. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's really good. It's just not something I've ever gotten into, so it's not something that I feel like particularly attached to. You know what I mean? Sort of how you feel with this, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. So I don't know. Something about this movie, the music, the storyline, it it all like it's totally in my in my wheelhouse. And um, yeah, and it's when the, the the more I watch it, the more I. The more I I I have grown to appreciate what it's trying to do, and it does feel sort of like unlike anything else out there, you know. Even other even other stop motion films, I feel like this movie is kind of has a very distinctive story going on. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, There's any is there any other story like this? No. Okay, that's what I mean. That's what distinctive means. <laughs>
1: Well, could they also be considered with um, Sally and Jack? Could they be considered star-crossed lovers?
0: A little bit of that, this, but that's but been it done. but it's also yeah, that's been done a million times. But it's also not that's also not the entire focus of the film. I feel like the mythology that it creates is very unique, with the different lands for different holidays and the 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 one spot in the forest or the woods where basically they all kind of converge. You yeah, know? I know,
1: I know, I know. It's, it's, yeah, that's definitely interesting mythology. They
0: can with the tearaway face.
1: Well, so was Danny Elf um, was Chris Sarandon the only one that had a um, a separate singing voice?
0: I think for his character, maybe I think so. Yeah, because looking at the casting, yeah, they didn't have that. Yeah, that might be the case.
1: I'm sure Chris but Sarandon I mean, could
0: have done it. Maybe
1: Danny Elfman wanted to do himself.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I feel like I feel like I've read somewhere that Chris Sarandon was gonna like gonna do it and then didn't didn't you know didn't it didn't work out or whatever and so Danny Elfman's like all right i can do it because Danny Elfman was already composing the music and jack skellington has more singing than anyone else by far right um i mean most of the songs are jack i mean the only other characters that really get solos are sally and oogie boogie i believe well lock lock, uh, lock shock and barrel right but most of the other ones are ensemble numbers led by jack really um so no, so this was this was fun. Another quick commentary. So we should, while the credits are just wrapping up, just because I like to talk all the way until the actual end of the credits rolls. You know, we should we can totally do one of these for a movie that you suggest. That as long as we've both seen it, because I feel like you know. I mean, granted, it's I'm it's you know. I'm the, a uh, quote Yep. A skeleton production yeah, right see? there. One of, one of two movies that ever ha- ha- had that production company. Oh, that's weird.
1: Why is it? Why uh, is because United? James
0: and Giant Peach did not do well and so that was the end of it, I guess. Well, why
1: is, no, I mean, why is it you said United Kingdom?
0: Maybe that's where the, um, the basis for, you know, where the, where the stop motion animation huh. stuff being done. Interesting. Well, Star, a lot of Star Wars is not a UK property really, but they film in, in Great Britain like quite a bit london and pinewood studios and i mean i don't know if the well, force awakens in episode eight but so do you have any suggestions offhand for movies you would want to you would want to pick or you have to think about it i guess. I'd have to think about it yeah think about it and maybe something that you've seen a lot that you know that i've seen with you that i can have that you can have interesting things to say about and then we can try and do this you know I'm, we're still gonna just Scott Pilgrim at some point I and mean, then probably before the end of the year but but yeah i mean just because i'm the Quote like host of the this podcast doesn't mean that we can't do you know one of your uh, one of your ideas, and you know if you guys listening to this if you want to have us do an if you want to suggest an episode that we could do a quick commentary on like a particular film. Um, again, it would have to be something that we would have. We would, if it's something we hadn't haven't seen, we'd have to watch it first and then rewatch it to do the podcast, which I'm fine with uh, if if the right movie comes along. So. You know, send your suggestions and ideas over to me. I'm on Twitter at Crooked Table, or at, I send it to Kai over at, at The Vault Key LLC on Twitter. You can also find the Crooked Table on Facebook, on Tumblr, on Instagram, Instagram. I'm on Snapchat even. Yeah, I know you're pretty much. I try and be everywhere, um, but yeah, I mean, you're gonna get the most, the most uh, of my thoughts on things on Twitter. And then probably facebook as a secondary so but find me anywhere there and then if, if i'm not talking I'm not, I'm not saying enough on your social media site of choice message me and be like hey what'd you think of this and i'll be like hey uh okay thanks for reaching out this is what i think and um get a get a dialogue started um you can also find more podcasts <laughs> i was gonna say videos not so much with videos lately you can find more podcasts reviews and other movie related goodies on crookedtable.com I will get back into videos. I actually have a green screen upstairs that I'm going to start using soon. I have to start testing it out and trying to get the visuals, uh, the, the visual, you know, the backdrop to really work up to my standards. Um, but sometime in the near future, I would like to get back into that because I was having a lot of fun doing those video reviews back uh, in the spring, which is like, geez, now it's been a long time since I've done it. I think the X-Men one was the last one I did. And
1: now you have a MacBook.
0: Yeah, now I have a MacBook, so now a MacBook Pro, no no less. So now I'm really super equipped to do that. And uh, yeah, so stay tuned. Quaker Table Podcast will hopefully be back in the next week or two. I don't want to make any promises because I'm not very good at following through with them. And there's a lot of stuff going on in our lives that I'll mention down the line on the podcast, I'm sure. So, in the meantime, Quicketable.com and, uh, you know, for the Crooked Table Podcast, I'm Rob. And I'm Kai. And we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for joining us. Roll credits. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. <laughs> Z-R-O-O-K-E-D! Z-O-O-O-K-E-D! <laughs> <laughs>